Oi, nerd, what you got there? Books, dice, <laughs> Yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got into this situation. Well, it all started one day when I was listening to this show. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Hi, this is Bob, 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 v, 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 Vila. And now, it's time for the show, This Old Dungeon. The show where grognards go to get their grog on. Between the two of us, we're going to get a lot of stuff done. We're going to kick some ass. We're going to be awesome. Featuring your hosts. Hi, this is Bill Barsh. I am the managing director of Paysetter Games and Simulations. Look at this. It's a plumber's nightmare. Hi, this is Edwin. I'm a longtime cast member of Skype of Cthulhu, and I am the 5e editor for Frog God Games. Somebody here call a carpenter? This is Lou Al Lou. I could charitably call myself a game designer and game publisher, but definitely a veteran role player of 35 plus years. We work on it the rest of the night, we get it together. We can do this, right? There's no way in hell we can do it. Good evening, Dungeoneers. It's Lou Alu, and we have another great episode of This Old Dungeon for you. Uh, with me are my usual partners in crime. Hey, this is Edwin. How y'all doing? Hi, this is Bill. I'm not on my headphone right now, but I'm actually here. <laughs> he, he's got bigger fish to fry. The, the, uh, the, the hair is in the, the room, it looks like. Ben's there harassing him, it looks like. Exactly. Got answer exactly. the boss. Anyhow, <laughs> Bill's with us, too. Uh, and then tonight, oh, yeah, our special... I'm uh, here. <laughs> our, uh, our special guest returning, uh, and we're so glad to have him back. We got Levi Combs. Levi, how you doing? Hello, everybody. I don't know about special, but I'll I'll take it. <laughs> Definitely a guest. <laughs> you know, it's Weird. been a little while, but uh, our our whole uh, what have you been doing in gaming shtick? I think it's been like four or five episodes since we've done that. Why do we do that? Uh, who's got a gaming uh, story? Who's been out doing something? Some actual uh, tabletop uh, dice throwing here lately? I have been uh, playing Impossible Landscapes with Sean P. Kelly as our uh, keeper, and that we have been having a blast. We are completely confused and befuddled, <laughs> both as characters and players. He's doing a bang up job. I've really been, uh, I've really been enjoying this uh, this start, and that's been mostly the last couple of weeks. Um, I've done a little bit of Stonehell again. Um, that's still moving on nicely, um, but yeah, mostly. Uh, Mostly been excited about impossible landscapes recently. Is that uh, Delta the one Green. that's like kind of situated around the whole Yellow King um, backdrop and all that? You know, I don't know yet. Okay, never mind. I didn't say anything. <laughs> no Yellow King. Forget all that. <laughs> uh, we have not seen the Yellow King or any hints to the Yellow King yet. So I, 
Um, and I've been, it's, it's funny, it's funny though, because at the same time, so on Skype of Cthulhu, uh, we just started Impossible Landscapes two weeks ago, or maybe four weeks ago. And then this game that I'm in on Impossible Landscapes, I'm actually having to sit out of the Skype of Cthulhu for, and it's a long scenario, a long uh, campaign. So that was kind of a funny uh, coincidence that <laughs> both groups started at like the same time. I was like, oh, oh. but uh, it's it was- good. It's a, it's fun. To, to my shame, I, I've yet to go and, and listen to Skype of Cthulhu. Is it a live play uh, podcast or is it, does it switch it up or what, what exactly? Oh yeah, no, it is. It is. It is. In my opinion, it is the livest of live plays, meaning <laughs> uh, no editing, no sound effects. Uh, it, it's very much uh, what you would get. I mean, we are, we are very much just playing and recording. We have very little acknowledgement of an audience. So it's, it's definitely uh you know, every once in a while, if there's a long silence, somebody will make a crack about, you know, the fact that there's people actually listening to this. <laughs> um, but uh, other than that, we're really just just it's just a group of us that play and uh, over Skype and record. Um, nice. So it's pretty, uh, yeah, pretty low tech, pretty dry. I, I, I mean, like that. Not dry. You know, we're I mean, good. Pe- people but. are always talking about critical role and everything about how, like, you know, people see that and they think that that's RPGing and, and how far off that is from what you really get uh, at the table. So that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely uh, less exciting than that, but, <laughs> but more real, more honest. And I, we have had over the years, we've definitely had some, I would say some pretty good characters that have come and gone and some fun. Uh, it seems like the inner, uh, inner party interaction stuff really is like when it, when it goes, it can be pretty fun. It can be really uh been, I feel like that's sort of what makes some of the actual plays more interesting is that they have is the drama between uh-huh. the characters. Um, anyway, Bill, what have you been doing in gaming recently? Well, I got uh, I got screwed by Hurricane. <laughs> that's a game. That's a so, game, definitely. That's I got a great excuse this month. So I was actually I was down in Florida. Um, just I just came back a few days ago. So um, we have a place uh, uh, just just outside Orlando. But uh, so Crucible Con was going on. That's more of a miniatures convention, but they do a lot of gaming down there, or a lot of D&D gaming there, too. And I know some people down there, uh, the guy who runs all the uh, uh, Adventures oh, yeah. League stuff for uh, Gary Con and Gamehole, Thomas Valley. I don't know if that name rings a bell with any of you guys, but he lives right there, too. He lives actually in the same city we live in. So I was going to catch up with him and do some gaming and all that. And then, you know, here comes Hurricane Ian decided to change course and put a, <laughs> a damper. Pun intended on pretty much everything. Although the convention still went on, the hotel never lost power that they held it at. But I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get there. Slinging dice in the middle of a hurricane. We, we were fortunate. <laughs> yeah, we were fortunate. We didn't have anything happen to us. My daughter has a house there too, so I kind of stayed with her and my other daughter. Um, we all kind of hunkered down together. Um, it was, it was crazy. But I had to drive down to Fort Myers at some point because my in-laws have a place down there. So, uh, but I couldn't go down there because they closed all the oh, expressways yeah, right. for four days. Yeah, every so, once uh, in a while, you roll, uh, you roll uh, triple zeros there. on that random weather table. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that was it, too. I tell you, we were there for Hurricane Charlie way back. It had to be 15 plus years ago, I think, uh, when that came through. But this one was this one was significantly worse, especially for um, yeah. Yeah. the Gulf Coast. I mean, it's just to go see it in person. Uh, I, I didn't even get to the worst. It was, it was insane. I mean, uh, no, it's not gaming related at all, but it would give you a lot of gaming <laughs> ideas. So there's that. 
Um, but it was wild how much damage these things can do. I mean, you're driving by in those big metal power poles, wooden power poles are all snapped right in half. Uh, there wasn't a sign on I-75 wow. for about 50 miles. It ripped all of them right out of the ground, wow. shredded them right off their little concrete foundations and just tore them up and they were laying all over with trees. It was, uh, that was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. So that didn't get to game, but I got to do some kind of game related experience stuff. So got a lot oh, of writing good. done. That's we'll good. say that. My I got a lot of writing uh, done. So that was, oh, that was great. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly what I was working. I was working at Gamax pretty much the whole time. Yeah, so it was nice. Uh, got a big chunk done on that, so that's kind of exciting. Eva, I know you Eva? went to ShireCon. Uh, oh, yeah. Been gaming beyond that? No, ShireCon was, was awesome. I've, I've been kind of knuckled down uh, just, just writing and um, doing some, some back-end stuff for Planet X, but ShireCon was awesome. I mean, we all know Tom. We all know how awesome Tom is and what a cool dude he is, but he really does put on a, a good little con. Um, have you, have you, any of you guys been to that con? Not yet. So I need close. to get there. So okay, I, I haven't. It's it's yeah. It's it's on my bucket list kind of thing, but it's going to be kind of you know, I, it's tough for oh, me. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, in the middle of it's really not drivable for me. I mean, it is, but for a one day con, I'm I'm going to probably do a flight. But I think he's, that's he's talking about going to do he's a couple talking of about days. Building it up, and, and and that's when he man, gets that, there. Really yeah, make it worth my while. Yeah. It's really cool because you're out in the middle yeah, of nowhere. Exactly. Like Lovecraft country, you know, like <laughs> when the lights go out at night, like it's yeah. dark, like dark, dark. Like, no, there's no street lamps, no street lights down where you're at. Um, the convention is in an old church that they've uh, that they've turned into a community center. So you have these big stained glass windows, you know, and these giant, <laughs> you know, arch ceilings. And you just shove like 80 to 100 gamers in there and you run three <laughs> you know, three to four hour sessions um, of games. Um, anyway, it's just people who really, the, the people who are coming who are coming to that are probably a lot like the people who came to the first North Texas. Um, they're just people who are really, really, really love gaming, you know? <laughs> so <clears throat> you got a lot of good games in there and there was, there was some yeah. really good uh, scenarios running. Uh, I ran uh, Escape from Skullcano Island, uh, which is a high level uh, kind of like Isle of Dread meets Kaiju cinema sort of, <laughs> crazy um <laughs> and that was a lot of fun it went in a bunch of different directions i didn't expect uh had a so really I, good... I gotta ask because you, you know i'm a fan of that one where did you start it off how do you do that in a con oh yeah well because you know it is kind of a hex crawl um like a location base um but i i just ran a little mini scenario called um rusted wreck of the mini of, of the uh, sorry rusted wreck um God, what was it <laughs> rusted wreck of the of the uh of oh, the robo kaiju yeah and it was just your 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 uh inside this uh you know giant rusted track of, 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 of basically a giant robot and uh it, anyways from there it just went crazy they summoned like a flying stone head that was like a cross between zardoz and the cover of the player's handbook and they flew <laughs> that around the island and a, a guy uh ben grimes uh he oh, did yeah. a he, he drank a potion that allowed him to like basically you know, be like 50 feet tall, and he did a flying macho man elbow off of the, <laughs> the ship onto the onto the back of a uh, you know Titanic two headed ape. You know, like it was just insanity, just from one awesome. end to the end. It was it was a good time. Um, I I would have loved to play that. I I know when I got the the kick the book from Kick, yeah, Kickstarter yeah. that one right a while back. So I remember when it came in the mail, I read, I read oh. it that night cover to cover. It was so yes. intriguing and fun. It was just, it was, it, it did exactly what you wanted it to do. And it, it captures and fires. Uh, you up. So 
Yeah, it, that would it, be it exciting fun. to play at a con, especially with the no, you know, and, and the, the, the group was really good though because everybody was they, they knew it for what it was. You know, this is not like you know real serious. Now we've got to really, you know, buckle down and figure out how to get through this dungeon. You know, nobody was taking it serious. Everybody's having a really good time, and it just made everybody at the table was like a veteran player too. Like it was like Ian McGarty, Noah Green, Ben Grimes, John, oh, man. Carson, all these you know great players. Yeah, Amazing, yeah, you it, survived. It was just a good time. Um, and then the second, the second game was um, a play test for the um, for the module actually that I'm kickstarting tomorrow. So that, uh, and, we we, we got to get into that here real soon. Uh, uh, <laughs> I just told them I was like, break it, do everything you can to break this module, <laughs> and uh, they did a pretty good job. <laughs> that's, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't, I don't even think you have to tell people that anymore. I'm just gonna, sure. that's no, what they try I'm, and do anyway. So. Lou, you've been gaming? Yeah, yeah. So I got my Sunday group, and uh, we we were doing Ravenloft, and then the guy that was running it, uh, his wife had to get some surgery, and he's been kind of playing nursemaid there at home. So he said, "Hey guys, you know, somebody, you know, take the reins for a little while." So a buddy of mine was running OSE, so we've done a couple of sessions of that, and uh, it was interesting. This last time, and I can't remember what the module was called. It was it was something that he got through Kickstarter, uh, and it was kind of like a um, to me, it reminded me of Barrier Peaks. It was about like these, these uh, gods of the fallen star, and they, you know, long ago fell into this mountain. And there was this, you know, kind of dungeon there that we all went off to go search through, but it uh, it fell a little flat. And I apologize, you know, whoever wrote that. If if I'm insulting you, I, I you know, there's lots of things that go into a game, so could could have been much, uh, you know, something other than the writing. But we just had a hard time. There were a lot of rooms that we were trying to interpret that you know, wasn't easy to interpret, uh, you know, like, what are we supposed to do here? And then the only combat encounter we had was with this creature behind a door that had this, uh, this long purple stinger thing that came through the door and was trying to sting us. And we're like holding the door and fighting the stinger thing. And then, uh, by the time most of us were dead, we, we finally realized it was a purple worm back there and we didn't have any hope of fighting it. So we retreated and uh, wow. it, it was, it was just one of those things where afterwards we spent like 20 minutes just dissecting it and talking about it. And the game master that ran it, my, my buddy, Jonathan, you know, he, he did a great job. I mean, it was fun. It just, we were all talking about like, well, you know, they were, they didn't keep to a theme. They didn't really. There are things that you could mess with, but it didn't do anything. And mm-hmm. uh, it was, it's, for, for a designer, it was really eye-opening to me to, to see, you know, your, you know, your quote-unquote average players talking about, you know, that experience and, and what they were looking for and didn't get. But, um, but it was fun nonetheless. I mean, we, you know, we always have fun when we're throwing dice. So. Was it an actual like fallen spaceship or was it like a traditional dungeon with so just I different aspects the, the to it? So I guess the deal is, yeah. So, or what do you so think it was? I guess the deal is that this is supposed to be a mega dungeon that's being printed off like zine by zine. So the first zine, I guess, had the first three levels. Okay. And um, according to my buddy that's running it, it doesn't really tell you like the overall picture of what this thing is. Other than this is, you know, this, this big mega dungeon okay. that, you know, was you know, from the dawn of time that supposedly has this connection to these fallen gods that came from the sky. So based on the intro, you know, the, the, you know, starting crawl where they read you the little script or whatever, we all thought, you know, this is probably a spaceship, you know, this is, you know, meta, meta gaming here. So we go in Mm -hmm. and all the descriptions of things, like you get into this room and there's like these, these stone bowls that hold these onyx stones and they're in a perfect circle. And, 
and we're thinking, oh, this is maybe like, maybe this is, you know, again, this is in our player minds. Maybe this is like, you know, a way of describing technology that our characters just don't understand. And there are a lot of rooms like that. And uh, so we're always messing with stuff, expecting something to happen, expecting it to like reveal that, you know, there's a mechanism here or whatever. Mm. And it just really doesn't. There just is some odd random effects and it goes on. And yeah, a little bit know. of that goes a long way. Yeah. So I guess, hey, how's it going, Ben? <laughs> when you ben. were uh, when you started talking about uh, that, there's this zine, this dungeon being printed off. Uh, my head inst- instantly went to the idea of some massive 3D printer that's printing off a dungeon oh. <laughs> as the characters are actually exploring it, and I just <laughs> trying to picture like the things being laid down as you're coming through. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. One of these days when technology advances, that uh, you know. Yeah, you print a dungeon on the spot. It's probably not far off. It's probably not far off. I I find that incredibly compelling from a from a design aspect of the adventure you're talking about. I mean, and the reason is is because as we talk, about, I mean, I'm, we're working through Gamma X right now, and part of the um, the real technical part of that is presenting it in a way with suspension of disbelief where it's real because you, you know, but we don't, you know, I, the way I'm tackling it is. Uh, we're not trying to tell the players, hey, don't mm. play like you don't know anything. That gets old real it's going to drag the game out. And then you're trying to force, yeah, you're trying to force your characters to not know stuff that, yeah, technically they wouldn't know, but everyone at the gaming table knows. So now you're trying to play through something in a way where not only are you suspending your disbelief, you're, you're kind of objectively taking away reality too. So there's, I think there's a give and take, which is I think a very difficult thing to do when you do a Dungeons and Dragons style mm. expedition to the barrier peaks. Um, you know, you've got to have a way to keep things moving because I think it, you're right. I think, I, I don't think it's any fault on, on your game master or you guys as players, something like that, I think can get bogged down extremely easily. Um, so there has to be, I think some sort of mechanic and we've dealt with it. You know, I've dealt with it too. Um, We've only got one of those kind of adventures, really, and uh, a D&D starship kind of thing. And it's a solo dungeon, so it actually moves real fast. But I, trying to do it outside, you know, uh, in, a, in a regular game session is tricky. I think it is tricky. So It's also interesting because I feel like there's, like, sometimes you throw stuff in because you're trying to make a place seem mysterious, and so you want some weird stuff in there. But what you're saying, I think, is there was weird stuff in there and it was mysterious, but because you couldn't make anything happen, you couldn't like undo any of the mystery. You couldn't make anything interesting. So that's sort of interesting to think about too, is where is, how much is too much of sort of set dressing that is, is because as soon as the GM says there's a bowl with a ball in it, somebody wants to play with it, right? Mm-hmm. You, you want to <laughs> yeah. do something. And, and if you have, and if there's just one thing and it doesn't do anything, yeah. that's fine. But I can see if you have like 20 things in a row where there's some cool stuff there and you're like, ooh, 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 and then nothing happens. Like, oh man, this really sucks. <laughs> you, know, you, you, sort of, you sort of get... Right. Because you, well, we've, worked, we've got the right guy here to talk about this kind of thing too. But Levi, so you got to chime in. That's exactly it, right? So you have to have some sort of impetus for them to want to mess with this stuff. Yeah, you want them to Whatever start. You want the characters yeah. and the players to start figuring yeah. stuff out and understand. Even even if it's not modern it's tech, def- whatever it doesn't matter. I mean, it could yeah. be Cthulhu stuff, but you want sure. something to be going on that gives the brain something to latch onto, so that yeah. you can so you stay interested. 
Right. Because you want, you want your players immersed. I mean, as a GM, you want to immerse yourself into it. And when you're constantly running into roadblocks, it takes you out of the, out of that moment. I, I talk uh, <laughs> way off here, but I, a lot of people, we talked about the rings of power, you know, Lord of the Rings show on Amazon right now. To me, that's my biggest gripe about the show. I mean, I don't, I don't mind a, some stuff, whatever, but for me, that show takes me out of, you know, I sit down and I just want to have an hour of, of Tolkien Lord of the Rings, but every 10 minutes, it seems it just yanks me out because somebody does or says something just <laughs> so to the, yeah. untolkeny. Yeah. Just wait. It's like, wait, what, <laughs> you know? Um, so this, this is, I think getting back to this thing and I, I this is why we got to bring up Levi's products because he does a great job of presenting these kind of things. Um, so Levi, come on, chime in on this. What would you, how do you look at it? How do you look at that guy? Fascinating set dressing, but, but more than that, it actually like feeds the story or belongs to the story. What, what's your aesthetic and design? I'm a big fan of like location-based stuff. Like I really, there was this, there was this, uh, chapter in, uh, Joe Goodman's, uh, what was it called? Games that don't suck. How to write games that don't suck. Adventures. Adventures that don't suck. Whatever it was. And he, he wrote a really good chapter in that. And, um, one of the points he made was, uh, about memorable locations, you know, um, you know, like, what do you remember from the games you played? You know, a lot, and a lot of that is location-based, you know, you remember kind of like when your character did something really crazy or something just out of the ordinary or unexpected happened, which is perfect for DCC, obviously, that's, <laughs> you know, they're, they're scaling up and down, you know, uh, all the p- different power charts and taints and spell effects, that's, it's, it's perfect for that. But the locations, if you make a really memorable location, I really think that um, that will stick in people's heads for a long, long time. Um, and then like when you're going to design what's in that location, just interesting little things. Like you're talking about the, the bowls with the, with the, you know, the rocks inside of them. Right. Yeah. Like that, sh- if it didn't do something, it should have done something. That's just like not normal dungeon dressing. Like it should have been something <laughs> cool. Even if you had to take right. it like, Oh, we have to take the rocks and then use them someplace else later, you know, um that's exactly. great because you know um everything kind of interconnects and you, you you don't feel like you're waiting you got four hours to play man you don't feel like you're wasting your time um dumping 30 minutes into this you know rock you know, bowls of rocks you know <laughs> you, you, you walk away later and you're just like oh like, right. i could have been with my kids tonight or i could have yeah. you know i could have went and saw a movie like I, but i was playing with some rocks in a bowl like that's, that's not adventuring you know, so. Well, that's a that's also a fun uh, design aspect. We were talking about this earlier this afternoon in a meeting of uh, the slow burn versus the con game. Like, you know, it's possible that three zines forward, uh, bowls with balls in them will show up again and they'll be relevant and somehow it'll all work out. But it's also possible that they won't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's sort of like player expectation, right? Is this a one shot? In which case you everything needs to pay off now. Yeah. Or <laughs> are we playing, you know, is this a two year game? In which case it's really awesome when something pays off three months later and you're like, Whoa, and it comes oh, back yeah, to you. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, man. When, when you, uh, like, uh, was it, um, the original Ravenloft module had a lot of that in there, you know, where you, you'd go, you know, you'd, you'd find something and then you'd be able to use it, you know, two games later in some, some room on the third floor or something, you know, right, like, right. there was a lot of that, you know, and, uh, uh, expedition of the barrier peaks, another classic example of that with the key cards, you know, oh, yeah. you had those those cards. Like you couldn't get into certain areas unless you found that card. So you were just you were looking through everything. Mm-hmm. Which and you, you know, you find that card and you swipe it, and it does nothing on that door, and then it's like, oh, I'll throw it away. Well, <laughs> uh-uh, <yeah, that's, laughs> right. uh, you need that three levels later, you know. 
Right. You know, exactly. You know that, that game must have been like so like fun for Gygax to run, like because <laughs> it's so you know if if you if you zig when you should have zagged or you were just kind of careless so you ah you know yeah let's just forget about that then yeah it was merciless <laughs> we had to, <laughs> you had to pay the piper on 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 some of those uh, encounters. Well, and that's you know obviously that's what Expedition of Barry picks us a while. It's it, every every room doesn't have to move the quote unquote narrative the module forward, but it can be so interesting on its own mm-hmm. that right. you don't mind getting sidetracked yeah. for for a bit, right? But then you're right back to it. You're right back to okay, where do we got to go? How do we get out of here? You know, there's a compelling reason for the PCs to be there and to try and do things to get out of this thing. And it, it doesn't matter if we all know it's a spaceship. We all know it's a goddamn spaceship. We knew it was a spaceship when it came out, and these guys shooting cover, lasers yeah. on the front right. of the module. But it, but it, but that's okay, right? It's absolutely okay for us to know that as players, and still play our characters in a way that that is commonsensical that we can get through something and not get bogged down. Because right, that's a that's a massive module on top of them. There are a huge number oh, yeah. of rooms. Well, in I that think thing. the thing it does too um, is that each but, room pays out on its own. It doesn't necessarily. Every encounter doesn't necessarily exactly. build, but every encounter you, you have some, yeah. you know, you, you're doing something in that room and there's something to reward you or, or some challenge you have to get past. Yep. You know. Yeah. And, and, and even more to the point, we'll bring it back to what, how you, how we got to this point with <laughs> what the hell has Lou been doing? So um, we always wonder. If you're running a convention, <laughs> always, if, if you're running a convention game, right? I mean, you want to pick something, you've got only so much time um, it is kind of incumbent on you as a GM to make sure you pick something that people are going to stay locked into for their three or four hours, whatever it is. Right. So, um, there's, there's a real danger in, in picking something that you read through it and say, this is really, really cool. I just can't wait to run this, but that might be better served to run it as your home game than actually at a convention. Um, just because of time constraints or, people who aren't used to playing with each other yep. so that's always yeah. gonna well that's where like the location and the hex crawl uh, you know mm-hmm. just the grind crawl kind of stuff where that really comes into play because you know if you have something that's a giant hex crawl well you don't have to play the whole thing you don't have to start them out at square one you can just say all right well we're going to go to hex 19 and that's that's the one we're going to do for the con you know but then you can take the same product with your home group and yep. say well you do start out in this little town and go for it you know yeah it's uh Again, I'm a big fan of that location-based approach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're preaching to the choir with, with me a thousand percent. I mean, that's what Basin is all about. I mean, there are only so many uh, adventure tropes in the world, right? No matter how much we think we can, as, as designers, reinvent things. And we do. We do, you know, we do, do good at that. But still, if you don't have a good, uh, I'm going to go back to my immersive word again, environment for that adventure to fit in by doing something just a little bit more unique or different, um, it gets tough, right? Just the same old dungeon is the same old dungeon. Uh, you can have great ideas in there, but uh, I, I'm the same way. Usually when I design stuff, my first thing out of my, my head is, okay, I, I need a basic story, but the next thing I'm going to do is I want to place this somewhere that's out of the box, that, that people aren't used to seeing, because then it becomes, it might, it might be this, a recognizable story in the background, but the, the characters or players are in an environment, you're right, that they're going to remember five years later saying, hey, remember when we were, we were saving that princess, but she was on the moon? You know, so right. think about all the classic thing. stuff that uh, that you remember from playing for when, you know, you were a, a younger man, like like even the moat house, you know, like you're like, you know, the classic, you know, uh, Hamlet moat house. Mm-hmm. You, you, you zig when you should have zag and all of a sudden there's a giant crayfish and you're like, what, what is happening? You know, like, you know, 
look, look, you know, you got the, the the subterranean underdark, you know, of those of those classic descent, you know, descent and vaulted ground. Yeah. Then there was the giant oh, yeah. spider ship from Vault. Yeah. Um, of the demon web pits. Yeah. I mean, yep. I mean the hidden shrine, the Tomoa Chan. I mean, that's been. I mean, I'm the guiltiest person ever of ripping off that module because, you know, I it's that's, my favorite. It's so great. You know? I, I like that module yeah. a lot. But I'll go to my grave saying it was not designed like it should have been. If you look at it, you know how like you, you start at the bottom and you're trying to get out of the place, right? That's the goal. But the way things are set up, yes. it's really set up forward facing, even though it should all be backwards. You know what I mean? Like like the keys to the doors you need to get up or down. And I just, I love it. I love the concept. Someday I want to rip it off and do it my own way. But But I feel like it it doesn't quite really portray a backwards dungeon. Like I really was hoping it would when I first heard about it. I mean, is there any, any trope that's more ripped yeah. off than the jungle ziggurat, yeah. you know, <laughs> with the full of undead and, yeah. you know, Jaguar demons and, you know, whatever. I mean, like, again, I'm the worst. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, wait, are you talking about your own life? Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> same deal, man. You know? <laughs> like number one I'm thing publishers are not looking for a manuscript <laughs> with the word jungle tune. <laughs> <laughs> Mummy, cigarette, pyramid. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Nobody wants that. I feel like the just been that. thrown. I feel seen. You know, I mean, <laughs> nobody wants to see that. You know. Uh, well, hey, let, let's segue into some of the stuff you're writing right now. Some of the stuff that just came out. Uh, so you got like two things, right? That just came out. You have the the uh, big eyed chungus, which delivered like a month or two months ago. No, I ran a Kickstarter for it a month and a half ago. Um, it's it's a like a quirky little zine, you know. It's what a fanzine yeah. should be. It's not super highly polished, but it is. It's a it's it looks beautiful. The art in it's great. It's it's very nicely made, but it doesn't have like lithographs or mm. you know uh, holographic cover or anything crazy. Hey, hey there it is. Yeah, there it is. Um, but yeah, it's a, like I said, it's just a quirky little little zine about uh, everyone's favorite monster that floats through the halls of a dungeon. You know, um, <laughs> the big eye chungus. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that, and that shipped behold out to back such a thing. Yeah, yeah behold, <laughs> uh, that, it. <laughs> that shipped out to backers um, last couple of weeks, so that's out. And then there's one launching tomorrow called Three Curses for Sister Saren." I'm so excited about so, this one, man. Yeah, it's, it's you, got, you've been telling me about this since yeah, what, no. what was it like February last year? And uh, it, it, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm, I really am excited. <laughs> like as soon as, as soon as it tells me it's available, boom, <laughs> I'm backing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know who the number one backer is going to be. No, there's, backer there's, number it's one. It's got some cool stuff in it. Um, it's, it's really an homage to like classic sword and sorcery because there's a lot of those those um, those story beats into it that, that are really fit into that mold. Um, but it's a heavy, heavy nod to Appendix N. And then uh, there's a whole, like I like to do kind of a, a cinematic sort of like B-movie bad movie grindhouse approach with, with certain things i'll have a lot of easter eggs and in, in, in things uh some people call it gonzo i don't i don't re really think it's gonzo when i when i compare it to other stuff it doesn't mm -hmm. seem to fit in the same category of what people consider gonzo um but um it's there's a there's a subgenre of grindhouse cinema called uh nunsploitation <laughs> I mean, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, and, yeah this this was a, a, a late '60s onto the '70s, mid '80s uh, a thing, and uh, 
it's really you know it, it's it's about like kind of a religious idolatry and the the possession of clergy you know, mainly some poor nun you know or some <laughs> you know uh, sister whoever you know they get possessed by the devil or they're possessed by demons or you know they are lured into you know a damnation by 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 you know some story trope um but there's there's actually a, a couple of really really fascinating and good movies from the nun exploitation era uh, and I was always kind of fascinated with with how they how they made those work because especially in that time period, you know, that was just wasn't a a thing that was going to fly on 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 mainstream you know <laughs> cinema. So it ended up in the grindhouse. Uh, so I watched a, like a like a bunch of them back to back, and some some were terrible, and you know I didn't I didn't care for it all, but some of them were really really uh, entertaining, and they were they were they were good stories, and they were really solid. Um, so I, I just kind of branched out watching these movies for a couple months you know like everything from the exorcist to you know ken russell's uh, the devils to alicarda to i mean it was all over the place i mean even you know modern stuff like the witch and midsummer and things to do with cults and uh you know witchery and that sort of thing and we kind of just jumbled this all the stuff up um with the, you know, the the weird fantasy the sword and sorcery the appendix in and uh, between myself and uh, the guy who, who who wrote the quite quite a bit of the module, um, Mike Lee. You guys know Mike from uh, maybe, maybe you might know him from uh, North Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, he just came up with this 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 great module, and we just kind of hammered it and chiseled it and got it right where we wanted it to be. And um, really really proud of, of of this one. I'm proud of him because this this will be his first, you know, big 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 work. Um, and it's just it's sharp and it's fun and uh, it takes some unexpected turns, and it's does what I like like for modules at least my modules for them to um, to juggle a lot of things at once like make a lot of different um, flavors and feelings work you know I'm a big fan of like jamming different genres together you know and just seeing how they play off each other and and Mike did a, just an excellent job of of, of doing that. Well, something like you, you know, I've, I've tried to to not get spoiled on this, to to not know what's coming before I get it. But, but in the dis- the discussions we've had, uh, you've kind of described it as uh, there's sort of a mystery going on. Oh yeah. But then there's there's quests you go on to kind of piece things together. There's yes. There, there's the combat, the magic, the I mean, it, it's kind of got every something for everybody in it a little bit. Yeah, paranoia actually plays a, a it's just a, a bit not the game but the, <laughs> the <feeling. laughs> I remember who I'm talking to. Talking wow, about this God. is going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, paranoia plays a, a big part in how everything unfolds. You're not really sure who's telling the truth, who to trust. Is this really happening? Did this did this really happen? Um, but it's also for, you know, first to third level characters. So if you have a large group of first level characters, you can do it. If you have a small group of third, you can do it. Um, and like a lot of old school adventures, you end up being able to bypass a lot of things if you stealth it, or if you just have really good, you make really good choices through role playing mm-hmm. and you, you can, you can hide and, and talk to people. And if you do information gathering and gathering up enough information, there's things that you can avoid altogether. Um, the last people I, I ran through it for a play test, they only had one combat until the very end. Hmm. um through everything you know through all these different pieces you know they they almost stealth the whole thing or or role played their way through it you know they, they bribed bribed some goblins to get past this really crucial area you know they had no problem doing stuff like that so uh, i'm a big fan of that kind of thing anyways really giving player agency um 
so yeah it has a lot of that <laughs> so would you kind of describe it as sort of like um almost like there it's, it's a plot that's hung on different map points and so you kind of interact with the plot as you go to different areas it, it kind of free not not you know railroading not like a b c d but just that oh know, here's yeah yeah so you get so right, right off the bat like there's a goal but there's no set way to get to that goal like there's again very location based in this in this valley this town this and these surrounding little points on the on the map you know do you go check out the the black lake first do you go check out the goblin warrens are you checking out these ancient ruins like you could do it in any order um some orders are better than others you know but uh, <laughs> you get clues as to as to why that is by interacting with the you know it's just classic role playing stuff you know like you ask questions and investigate and do all the things kind of gives something for every kind of player to do you know there's 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 fights to be had that's the way you want to do there's investigating and sneaking around and trying to figure out why this is this way you know there's there's ways like the for instance there was a, a very crucial area in one of the play tests that a guy he had a, a falcon familiar and he he got to the goal fast because he just sent his familiar in <laughs> to look around for right to it instead of having to, to figure out entire layout of this ruin you know they found what they were looking for they went in they got snuck in to get it snuck past the ogres you know and there and got it and got out you know nice <laughs> so it was uh that that, that 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 part is really cool to see um but you know sometimes again going back to that whole zig when you should zag but sometimes you ah, you make them you know it just doesn't you know this doesn't work or you know you you uh, make a bad decision and then you got a you know full-on fight on your hands so there's something for everybody to do for sure now one of the other products i know uh i think it just finished up on uh oh my goodness what's the uh not kickstarter but what's the other one um, indiegogo indiegogo thank you um you, you were part of the two-part halloween module from that oh yeah 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 no i had i had a really good time with that um um Ed, you know edwin was looking for for some for some guys uh, to to do this project and as soon as I heard like the words Halloween, you know, <laughs> seasonal module, I, my brain started firing. And when, like 30 minutes later, I had written out this basically like a really <laughs> rough treatment about all the things I loved about Halloween. And this is how we could get them in, in there and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> now, when you were, uh, I don't know if you were given the assignment or approached them or how this worked out, but did, did you know at the time that you were going to get double billing with Casey? No. Oh, no. Nope. Uh, oh, that was a surprise to us, too. That's no, that's a no. I mean, that's a that's just a bonus in my yeah. world. Like, you know, Casey's one of my one, one of my best buds. So just getting to what be a on marquee, a double, man. on a double yeah. horror fantasy themed billing for a Kickstarter. That's just like, you know, if you told me that was going to happen five years ago, I'd have been out of my mind ecstatic. Like, <laughs> we'll make it happen again. That was awesome. That was I, good we, fun. And it was it was a good time. And then you know, I have to say, like, I didn't write the module alone. It was uh, my good friend John McGuire from the Vintage yeah. RPG podcast. 321 action games he wrote half of the event we just wrote it together um you know he handled some areas i handed others and we just jammed on the on the other uh the other two and um it's like a love letter to hammer horror but like also to like vintage halloween so like there's a witch there's skeletons and pumpkins and black cats and ghosts and you know there's all that stuff I mean, is in there headless you know? horsemen and a headless yep, horsemen yeah. there's uh and i don't want to give too much away because i really want people to enjoy the the module but um Edwin, Edwin had this one thing that he really wanted in the, the adventure. And I was like, as soon as he said it, I was like, Oh, oh I know. I, I know. I got it. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, absolutely. That's a fantastic idea. So, um, 
yeah, it was just a lot of fun to do. And just really, I just was just very grateful to be able to, to do that project because it's uh, kind of a bucket list thing, you know, for me, you know, maybe one day they're going to give me a shot to write just a little tiny, tiny little wet my beak and uh, rap an ethic. So we'll talk. Let me know when you're ready. I'll, right. I'll, I'll, we'll put it, you to it. Because you've done a couple or at least one of it because you did uh what is it hagsaw ridge or something like that or uh, oh uh horror out of Hags- horror at hagsaw or hagsaw yeah <laughs> yeah sorry yeah <laughs> yeah that's like, like, yeah. yeah. it's an odd combination <laughs> the got a lot of a lot of genre mashing <laughs> going on tonight so uh quick quick pitch so tonight after we're done recording i'm gonna go review the near final uh laid out versions of uh of heresy so we can send it to the printer so i'm super super excited for that so we got to get done recording because i've got exciting work to do but <laughs> oh my uh, god yeah uh, we also <laughs> have uh we should also have it available uh, on roll 20 before uh, halloween so oh, nice we'll, we'll be hopefully if, if all if everything goes as we're hoping we should have the pdfs and the physical copies in people's hands and the roll 20 available offer for Halloween weekend. Oh, that's so that's great, our goal man. here. We'll see if we make it. As a double billing with Casey's uh, Fungus God from Outer Space, great title, by the way. <laughs> yes. As a double billing with that, like you could play either one of those for your Halloween week game. Yeah. Uh, and it would just, it's, it's going to be a good thing for your players. Like that's perfectly on theme, perfectly on, you know, it, just on point. Um, so if you want a Halloween themed adventure, either one of those are going to do the job. Our uh, our roll twenty converter said uh, she she was doing working on it. She's like I you know, I got to run something for my grandkids and then uh, she's working working. Then like an hour later she's like ooh this might be a bit much. I'm gonna have to change some of the uh, some of the stuff at the end there. It might be a little much for my. <laughs> they're like you know ten years old, eight years old or whatever. Oh like, yeah, you could have it. You, you, you like what <laughs> it is. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that would be perfectly fine for the kitties, but there's a little bit in there that's definitely. Uh... Yeah, you could knock the serial numbers off of stuff. <laughs> exactly. Stuff. Exactly. Not a very very tame version <laughs> of things, you know. All of a sudden, yep. the rot king becomes the great pumpkin, you know. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's not terrible. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it cracked me up though. I was like, "Yep, yeah, a little too scary for the eight-year-olds, as written." <laughs> so the uh, the three curses for Sister Sarah that that's launching. Did you say tomorrow? Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. And so for those of you listening to this, that'll actually be yesterday, because yeah, I, I imagine okay. I'm probably going to edit and get it out Wednesday. So sure, you're day late. Get on it, man. <laughs> Go back that Kickstarter. Uh, what else you got going on? A, a bunch of stuff. I, I, honestly, um, I. Some time ago, I, I finished a, a book for Exalted Funeral. It's an OSC book called um, uh, The Vorpal Almanac. And it's just a book about magic swords. Like, I always thought that magic swords were kind of a, um, ah, you know, you, you get a plus one sword and you're just kind of waiting to turn it into a plus two sword and <laughs> wait to turn that into a plus three sword later on, yada, yada, yada. So, um you know, there's been many great dungeon, uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, and Dragon Magazine articles written about like how to personalize your swords and you know, so on. So it's just my take on that. You know, I'm, I'm a very lore, I, like in my games, I like really are very lore heavy, um, you know, like a lot of background and um, I get like to give a lot to the characters to the players really to kind of kind of run with, you know. Like I'll say a sword is from so-and-so and it belonged to so-and-so. And if they want to go track that person down or go to that city, man, <laughs> I don't have That's it awesome. done, then we're doing it on the fly. It's going to be a good time, you know? Um, but there's a lot of that in the book. It was my first OSC book. So that was a lot of fun. Um, 
the artist uh, Sally Canarino. She's a um, a comic book artist. She does a lot of uh, horror comics, a lot of independent work. Um, but she's fantastic. Like she did the cover, she did all the interiors, the whole book, the whole look of the book is her. Um, and it's incredible. Like she did, I mean, when, when you get it in your hands and you see it, you'll see what I mean. Like it doesn't look like like other RPG products. It looks, it, it's, it's something special. Like she did a <laughs> fantastic job with it. And the cover looks like one of those old al- almanacs, but she like, I don't know, man, it's, it's pretty creepy at the same time, you know, like there's, it's got the, the gold foil and the whole nine yards. It's really, really nice. Um, I did a project for the guys at Emperor's Choice for Arduin. Um, that was a, something I always wanted to kind of dip my, uh, dip my toes into. I've been, well, last time I was on here, I was, I told you I was a huge fan. We talked about Arduin, you know, uh, so I did a, a, an adventure module for them. Um, it's past its first draft now. We're just kind of chiseling away, just kind of getting it tighter. Um, but that's uh, that that was a, a real joy for me to do. I don't know when it will see print or people will see it because see, that's all on their end. But I, you know, I was I was very happy to write it. <laughs> Seems to me like their approach to publishing is to like have a lot of stuff going all at once and then kind of big release of multiple items is what I'm kind of reading from them anyhow. Yeah, I think they. And I, I don't want to speak for them. You know, they, they, they can do all that on their own. But um, I think they want to get the rules right. I think they want to, you know, they're looking for, a, a, you know, they definitely want to be, uh, not, not hold, you know, Hargrave stuff sacred, but they want to be, you know, they want to honor it. You know, they're, they're yeah. big fans. You know, they don't want to just put out some sort of newfangled system and just ride on the name argument. You know, they really want to honor his, his past stuff. So uh, I think they're really hammering at getting the, the rules right and tight and making sure that everything runs good. But at the same time, when their system, you know, when the new system drops, I think they want to have three or four adventures mm-hmm. that people can play, you know, um, and mine is just one of, of several. So, um, but I, I did uh, put in there a lot of stuff that I like about Arduin, you know, again, Arduin is one of those systems that kind of hangs at, uh, on the lore and it's the strength of it is all the cool little tidbits of you know weird stuff going on in, in the background the names and the you know dave hargrave was was a genius with that kind of stuff um a mad genius but a genius <laughs> so i had to put star powered mages in it i had to put a pris, you know, prismatic effects i had to put a hell spiral you know all these things that are sorry uh, <laughs> all these things that are so very yeah he totally an arduin uh, all those things that are very, very arduous are, are, are in my modules. So if I, that way, if I only got one shot at it, I knocked it out. Nice. I don't know what she's barking at. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Hey. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. Um. But there's also stuff, kinds of stuff going on. I got a, another release in December. I got one for Zine Quest in February. And <laughs> about, about a whole year mapped out of stuff. So the, uh, the, I, okay, I'm, I'm going to screw the title up. I'm, I'm just going to cut to the bit that stands out in my mind. Uh, Chainsaw Warlocks. Oh, <laughs> Hex uh, yeah. How does it go? Go for it. Uh, Chainsaw Warlocks, Hecatomb Creeps, and Other Ungodly Bastards. Yes. Um, it's a, it's just a villain book. And it's a book, you know, and I love those. Like, everybody does does one at some point, you know. Um, I just wanted to do my take on that. I had some some good ideas, I think for uh, some interesting bad guys. And I just wanted to, to, to riff on that and, and put out one for every CR up to 20. And then there's stretch goals for, for more, you know, for more. Um, 
I, villains are one of my next to locations. Really, <laughs> villains are my are my favorite part of uh, of the of the creative process. I really like an interesting. I mean, who doesn't like a Darth Vader or sure, a yeah. Nurse Ratchet or you know, uh, Immortan Joe or you know whatever. Everybody loves those guys, you know. My, so my son came to me with he, he's at that yeah, point where he he came to me after watching uh, Mandalorian. He's like, Dad, why do the bad guys always have all the cool stuff? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that's what makes them awesome. Yeah, you're, you're playing all my songs here. Levi. I mean, that's just location yeah. and bad. I guys. mean, uh, when I was a kid, all the you had action Make figures like the bad guys yeah. were the were the were always the coolest. Like GI Joe, <laughs> all those oh, yeah. all the bad guys were the best. You know, you had Destro and Zartan and Storm <laughs> Shadow. You know, that just went along with the same with the Star Wars. Had the, all the cool bounty hunters and mm-hmm. you know even the Transformers. They they were had cooler bad guys. Soundwave man, yeah. Soundwave all the, all day long. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, man. But um, and that just goes for you know uh, literature too. You know, so. Bad guys are always cooler than the good guys. <laughs> yeah, that's that. They have to be. I mean, one of my. That's one of the things that you know. You get in those conversations with people. I always tell people is, if you don't have a like, especially in in the the video like movies and TV, your your stuff is only as good as your villain, right? Because if your villain yeah. sucks, how oh, compelling yeah. really is your show? So when the heroes could just steamroll through everything. Um, it's it's boring, right? So you they have that interesting, compelling villain. Like what's cooler is it? Is, 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 is awesome. ba- Batman's cool, but Batman's Rogues Gallery is really cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Very few right? people read absolutely. Batman for Batman, yep. right? It's yeah. all about the Joker and the Riddler and Bane and yeah, Scarecrow. Well, you know, and you know, that's a perfect example. I mean, I don't know how we, uh, did we talk about that the new Batman movie before in the last couple episodes. I mean that I, I watched it on a flight down to 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 Florida because um, that's where I do all my movie <laughs> watches on Delta. Um, but uh, anyway, so I watched it. I'm like, oh my god! I'm as soon as I get down there, I got to watch it on you know on a, on a big screen TV because that movie was fantastic and it was fantastic not just because I think the way they they did the movie, which was amazing, but the Riddler was one of those villains who's just a to me iconic yeah movie villain. Uh, in a superhero movie, right? Just something a lot of superhero movies are honestly missing. Um, this guy was great. I mean, he's just a great actor, great villain. Um, uh, it makes things enjoyable, right? And it makes it makes your characters better, your your other your protagonists better. So I, you're, I, I'd like to see this book, <laughs> Levi. So I, 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 I love it when a uh, when a writer comes along and takes an, like an established. A group of bad guys it makes them even cooler mm-hmm. you know like for the longest time uh like the flash the flash had like the dopiest rogues gallery <laughs> of of anybody you know it was like mirror master and captain boomerang and mm-hmm. you know heat wave and you know all captain these kind Boomer, of uh, yeah yeah, yeah. The, uh, was it weather wizard you know like these kind of not lame but you know kind of like b-level villains and then this writer jeff johns came in back in the early 2000s and he just revolutionized the whole rogues gallery and made them like compelling and interesting and you know you're reading it and you're like i actually give a crap about these guys now i like them more than i like the flash so <laughs> it's interesting yeah now, you, you've been you've been kind of slow brewing that one for a while right um i'm trying to think it uh it seemed to me like maybe you were you were starting to look at, at developing it 
uh, what two years ago, I think. Oh, it's done. Like it's I've, done. I've got it. Yeah, there's like some stat stuff that needs to be but done. It, but not, it never not, went not to much. Kickstarter, right? I mean, you're not saying no. it's done and gone. Okay, I've got all the art. I've got all the. I've got the cover. I've got the back cover. It's. Uh, and here's another thing uh, that you'll find interesting, Edwin, is that the whole thing is uh, done by Adrian, Adrian Landeros. Oh, wow. He did the cover. He did all the interior. All the art is nice. by Adrian. Um, wow. So it's so it's it's great. It's good. You know, it's real I tight. Bet. Um, yeah. but I, I've just been sitting on it. Something always happens. Like I was going to release it in, what was it? August. Or was it, was it you know, August? But then they just, just dropped this zine quest in our laps. They were like, Oh no, we're going to have a, we didn't, we didn't have a zine quest in February, but we're just going to go ahead and have it in August. And then we'll have another one next February. You're like, <laughs> okay, I guess. You don't think they're making any money? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm going with, uh, I guess I'm going with a zine instead of this. So it just kept getting pushed back and pushed back. That, that's all. But it's done. It's in the can. Yeah. It just needs to be laid out. I, I could see that a project yeah. that would take some time, though. I mean, it's it's a lot different than, like you said, you know, than than writing an adventure, which lots of times you know, write themselves for us. But uh, um, designing a, a bunch of npcs like that is yeah and not throwaway either like each one has to have and hooks and right it, and, they, you yeah. want to make them unique right? I, I, yeah at yeah. the end of it i give like three or four unique, ways so. for each one to be dropped in your campaign depending on what kind of campaign you have you know yeah so. gotcha Very nice yeah i tried the Perfect. thing where uh, on the monster book that i just kick-started uh got basically the the artist to do all of it i've got one artist that did a couple inserts in it but all the monsters in the cover are all done by the same artist and i really like that because i like you know the uniformity of it yeah but it does kind of push your schedule a lot further out because you know they can only produce what they can produce right. you know, so fast versus you know what i like about that project man is it reminds yeah. me of those old um 2e monstrous uh monstrous compendiums monstrous yeah. compendium yeah yeah um, which everyone but me hates. Everybody, it uh, like, I love them. I, it seemed I think like they're poorly designed, but I love the, the idea of them. And I, as a kid, I loved getting the like, yeah, no each same. little pack and seeing what was in there. And like our, our friend, our friend Alex Scammer, he he won't even have them in the game hole. Like he's like <laughs> he's like I have all these products, you know. I know what I, where all of them are. Each one is this and that, except for that one because I hate it so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't I I don't. I don't love them either. I'm not, I mean, I'm sure. a two E guy anyway, but uh, I don't have that level of disdain for me. That, but I, I can understand where people are coming from because it can be, Oh yeah. They're cumbersome. They, yeah. they tear, well, for, from a collector's you know, point, it's, it's just, a nightmare, but from, if you're just a guy who just like, Oh, let me take yeah. a couple sheets out and throw it in my backpack willy nilly. If you're that kind of guy, which I was that kind of guy yeah. as, as a teenager and young man, I, yeah. I wasn't thinking about collecting this stuff at all. Um, I would, you know, years later, I was finally like, what is this page for the drow elf doing in here? Like, <laughs> And that's so right. So it, it's a victim of its own success in a way. Right. It's 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 portable. But the problem with portability sometimes is portability <laughs> means, um, yeah. not, doesn't always yeah. go back where it's supposed to go. The, the one so thing that, that compelled me to do it like that. Well, there's actually several things. One, I feel like like you were saying, the pages tore. They, they weren't high quality pages. So, you know, that's an easy fix, right? But then the other thing, uh, they, they started printing monsters. Uh, they, they did So it's eight and a half by 11 in the original Monsters Compendium. And there wasn't enough information to print on both sides for most monsters. I mean, you got a few of them like vampires and stuff like that. So you'd have one monster on one side of the page and a different monster on the other side of the page. 
And then lo and behold, some monster comes out that goes between those two. Well, you're screwed, yeah. right? Can't exactly. be in alphabetical order. So by reducing my pages down, I fixed that problem. Um, but the thing I like is like now, potentially anyone that wants to print something for it, you can get their monster, you can put it in with the others and you start making your collection how you want it. You know, it's pretty cool. You know, I, you know, and then like, like Levi was saying, I, I'm the kind of game master that I don't want to carry a bunch of books around and I don't want to flip through, you know, Oh, was it in monster manual one? Was it in monster manual two? So to be able to like organize it how I want it and be able to pull things out. That's just for that night's game. You know, to me, that's great. Not everybody's thing, but for me, yeah. Before we move on, I just want to make sure we, we, we've captured everything that, that uh, we can capture here. So, you know, the, the very next thing, again, guys, it's yesterday, so get on it. <laughs> we got the, the three, three curses for Sister Saren. And, and then it, is the, the enemy book the next one that's that's going to be coming out from Planet X? or No, it's a, I'm doing a DCC book. Actually, actually, DCC and MCC. It's uh, an occurrence at Helen Crater, but for DCC and MCC. Oh, man, that was, that was born for that. That was awesome. Yeah. That's another one that's that, that's mostly mostly done and ready and ready to rock with all the art turned in. So, um, yeah, and then just that that rest of that stuff is is probably next year. Yeah, we're getting to that uh, that time frame. I mean, it's, as yeah. far as Kickstarter launches, you're kind of. I mean, again, we, I think we talked about this a little while back. You're running up against it. Um, I think so we're you're good to launch Black Friday. I think Most you guys are good to launch. Through this, through this one, uh, you get into November, and it's uh, the doldrums. You're kind of <laughs> yeah. rolling. The, you're rolling the dice a little bit, right? Yeah, for that 60 day window, it's we avoid it. I mean, I, I'll just say right now, and I could, if you're looking for a Kickstarter from Paysetter, because we're gonna come up, we would typically come up with uh, this would be our timetable. It's a good time for like a like a smaller publisher like me. It's a good time for like a. It is. It is small niche zine. Yeah, we're toying around. With, yeah, or even just smaller projects, you know. I mean, I would stay away from anything that's larger. I mean, we're we're thinking about throwing something actually up on Indiegogo and uh, as a as a pilot program for us. But uh, but it's also like I said, it is a good time. I mean, October is a great time yeah. to launch. It's a it's a great launch month. November's an awful <laughs> launch yeah. month. So um, and, when and did December, you guys always honestly. Do yours on so, Indiegogo. Do we always do our? Uh, when, when you launch a product or whatever, yeah. Ne Necromancer, Necromancer does. Yeah, so what, we, what we've been doing is our soft cover stuff we've been doing on Indiegogo and our bigger books, the hardcover stuff we've been doing on Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Uh, for the Indiegogo. past couple years, year and a half or so, a couple years. So, and that's been, mm -hmm. um, that's been a nice pattern to have that separation and to sort of um, get that working out. Any particular reason? I mean, what uh, what's the advantage of doing it like that? As far as you guys can see, throughput. Uh, the uh, the Kickstarter has the the hard limits on how many projects you can have at a time, and so yeah. if we're doing our big project, yeah. reality yeah. is we've got a big project yeah. that ships. You know, it's not that we're late, but you know, we we do the thing and we say it's going to ship in a year. Well, that means that you know we can have two of those alive at period, and that's it. And that's it, right? They're they're gonna they're. They're basically being yeah, timed whereas out. Indiegogo, we can so, do, you know, uh, we, we can we run get those out, you yeah. know, a couple of months or we're actually, we started slowing down trying to do, that's part of the double feature thing was trying to do fewer Indiegogos with more options because uh, to save people on shipping, really. Um, yeah. But but those, but those we can do, we can just keep doing them and, you know, do it, get it out, do it, get it out, do it, get it out, just keep moving along. 
any idea of like what the difference is in participation from an Indiegogo versus Kickstarter? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like how significant yeah. are we talking like one is not like the other <laughs> but I mean, yeah like, i mean it's we've definitely been trying to i mean it's i mean kickstarter has a pretty huge uh marketing thing going on that's it's hard to be and that's that's another reason for doing the big projects on kickstarter is they have you know is, is just the fact that it's on kickstarter attracts people uh, I think we've been reasonably successful in getting people used to going to Indiegogo to, to for our smaller stuff, but it's, uh, you know, it, for it takes tabletop RPGs, I think you're the most successful for a table on Indiegogo. Yeah, I don't I would agree. Anybody else doing the kind of for sure number that you guys are, or the yeah, you have guys have like forty something projects that you've done on Indiegogo or close to it. Oh, wow. you know? it's been crazy. Yeah. So, you know, instead of sitting on your hands and waiting, you know, for things to pass, you're like, no, we're going to be the yeah. masters of our own destiny and use two platforms. And I, I love it. Well, two, two platforms and two brands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to launch our, uh, we're going to launch our Christmas adventure on Indiegogo pretty soon here. So nice. Just, I love those. It's time. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> it is time. Is it another Orcus adventure or something different this year? This is a, an Icelandic uh, tale about Yule cats. Uh, so one of our authors found some uh, some genuine folklore and uh, and wrote up a really sweet adventure about yeah about the Christmas cat uh, that's like uh, oh I don't know it's like thirty feet long or twenty feet long. It's a house cat, but house is the size of it. Um, and there's some there's some trolls and some some uh, mischief making elves. Like it's got a lot of stuff that's I think familiar to most of us, but then it has enough things that are completely unfamiliar, at least to you know. I think most people who've grown up with the U.S. Christmas surrounding stories stuff but it does not have orcas in it this time <laughs> so we'll get back to orcas probably next year but <laughs> yeah, give it a rest for a year like yeah <clears throat> yeah all right well guys we, we've got some letters tonight do you ready we do i'm excited <laughs> oh. for them right. i'm even willing to help you read some of them we've got so many letters today yeah well i i please do i'm, I'm starting to lose my voice as yelling at them kids at school then Hey, buddy. Want to go for a ride in my flying car? Nah. How about we go fly around with our jetpacks? Nah. The future's just so boring. Is the future boring you, too? Well, maybe you should listen into the Save for Half podcast. The podcast about old school gaming, where we take a look at old gaming books with fresh eyes. You can find us at saveforhalf.com or on iTunes or around the corner. Perhaps we're standing behind you right now. Don't look. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. My opinion is letter writer is a total wacko. So I'll, I'll take the first one if you want to read the, the next one there. David Schwinner writes, I got one for the Dungeon Crew. What do you think the biggest misstep an RPG company has ever made was? <laughs> I hear people say that Watsy going to this digital one D&D is going to be a bad one. But traditionally, there have been companies, including TSR and Watsy, that have done many a crazy thing that didn't work. 
So what's a point that a company really jumped the shark, so to speak? All right. Ideas on past companies. I, I feel like this is uh, get John Peterson's books and read them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well covered. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there are many um, classic but... tales of woe for the in the early days of TSR. So and I think a lot of those are, are pretty well known to, to folks. Uh, like you're saying, John, John Peterson's book, that's the, that's the source, of course. Um, so I'll, I'll go out of the box a little bit um and i'm gonna i'm gonna go channel my inner war gamer so i think when spi um fell on on difficult times uh they well this is kind of got like kind of track right into tsr so they for some reason decided to move uh look for for help and they went to tsr and uh basically got a loan I mean, I'm, I'm really going to paraphrase this because it's, it's a lot more detailed than that, but it got a loan from TSR so they could continue to operate. Um, but in, in the documentation, basically, it allowed TSR to foreclose on it like instantaneously, which is exactly what they did, which honestly killed both companies. It, it just totally screwed them up. It, it, SPI basically just, just fell apart at that point. Um, uh, so for, the, for, for all of our listeners who are RPG players don't really know who SPI is. So SPI was, was, was really the, the, if not the best, which they were, uh, largest also uh, producer of war games back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, I mean, Avalon Hill gets kind of, you know, you know, most people put them as the, the king of the hill, but SPI was uh, just far and away um, them, yeah. a better, better war game company for sure. Um, just iconic products tons of products uh they did a lot of innovation uh, in the war game field uh strategy and tactics their magazine which included a war game in every issue i mean just they did some fantastic things um uh, one of the things that killed them with strategy and tactics or, or money wise was you could buy a lifetime subscription to strategy and tactics um the problem with that is is you collect money once and then it dries up instead of doing a you know recurring subscription uh i, I know that wasn't helpful but anyway so to, what happened was they got this essentially got a loan from TSR. TSR said, "Hey, we're going to call it in." Like literally a week later, and through they they could do it, but it was that wasn't mm-hmm. obviously the purpose of any of that. So they absorbed SPI, effed it all up. SPI disappeared. TSR probably lost a shit ton of money because they, they mishandled the, the whole freaking thing and those yeah. lifetime subscriptions. Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> yes well which they which they which yep. subsequently they canceled right which at that point pissed off this huge army of spi devotees right so they just again the the track record of, of tsr mishandling shit is just so freaking long it's insane so it's it's really hard i love this question but there's missteps obviously throughout throughout company history and in, in our field just like any field um but it's really hard to get past TSR's just lineage of debacle after. Although debacle. I feel like I feel um, like it's the reason we know about them, and there's so many of them, is because they survived for so long. I mean, I think about yeah. like there's all the companies that had one debacle because that was it. That's all could stand. <laughs> That's, you know, that was the end of them. But I think it. about a lot of, of the recent. You right. know, I think about some of the recent uh, Kickstarter horror stories of you know people going just crazy bankrupt because they didn't account for shipping or. I mean, there's just, I mean, like, like you said, with any business, right. I mean, I would, I don't know, half of the restaurants closed within a year or whatever, you know, there's just so many easy ways to, to mess up. 
it's almost half of all businesses yeah, okay. fold within 12 months. So it's the, the percentage is amazing. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, TSR does deserve a little credit for surviving <laughs> as long as they did. But I'm not so sure that was a good thing. It's almost like watching the old um, Mr. Magoo cartoon, right? And he's just getting himself like right near yeah, that edge yeah. each and every time. So I, so I think that, yeah, the interesting second part of his question or, or commentary is, you know, is, is Watsy going to screw up with this one D&D thing and, and how they're trying to go digital? I would like to say, I hope not. I mean, none of us really know. <laughs> I really exactly. hope not. Or, or none of us, I, this is not a good, like, I don't care if, if you're like, there's a lot of Watsy leaders <clears throat> out there. Okay. Whatever. But, and that's fine. You can, you can like or dislike whatever you want, but I think for the industry, uh, having a strong Watsy yeah, is a good huge. thing. Okay. Honestly, um, you know, what, where they're going to go with this. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I have two opinions. One opinion is they're not going to really divert or dive really move too far away from where they're at now with everything. I don't think the changes are going to be that substantial. Um, but then another, there's another part of me that thinks there's a lot of people out there who like to put their stamp on things. Right. And they could, they could do something radically different. I mean, it's, it's possible that they screw with the OGL, you know, I mean, when 5e came out, they held it off for almost a year and a half. Um, you know, the SRD I think is, was, was a bigger yeah. problem if I remember correctly. Um, so they that that could happen here, but I don't know how much. Well, of course they could they could screw with stuff IV. and be successful. I mean, yeah. right? I mean, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I I think there's a right. danger. There's in always it, but risk I, there. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to mess with. I I don't think they're going to mess with five e two too much. I mean, there's one. There's no need to. It's a it's a money maker. It still sells extremely well across the board. Um, and again, <clears> it doesn't matter if you like it or not. If you don't like it, you don't play it. So really. Who cares? But um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. It's, it's the same thing. You know, this, this uh, niche hobby we have has the same drama as any other freaking yeah. hobby in the world. So whenever somebody's going to do something right, ever it's uh, drama comes about. So uh, I, I think from my answer to the question is my answer is going to be I'm, I'm got weighed off here, but. Uh, yeah, I, I like the what happened with SPI is is a lot of people don't know that that actually happened, um, uh, except war gamers, right? Who are still bitter, <laughs> believe me, about the whole thing. Um, but uh, I don't know what as far as other companies to have like giant missteps that we're talking about here. I can't think of too many so, that really. Yeah, I mean, not all the companies fold. The original Paysetter, for example. I mean, they they were around for essentially three and a half years, just kind of got overextended, and that was the end of it. Well, and it certainly makes sense that the biggest company would make the biggest mistakes. I mean, like you've just got more room to, yeah. to screw up. <laughs> well, when you get farther and farther away from the source code, I think of what established the company or what the, comp the company was was built on, um, right. you water it down. It gets weaker and weaker and weaker as, as the farther you go out. Um, I mean, when Watsi uh, sold, you know, sold uh, Dungeons and Dragons to Hasbro. Hasbro wasn't trying to get Dungeons and Dragons. They were trying to get magic, you know? <laughs> and then there was this cool little thing called, oh, what's this little thing called Dungeons and Dragons? All right, we'll keep it going. You know, it just turns out like, oh, this can, with the right, with the right uh, marketing and the right um, hands at the wheel, this can be a moneymaker too. And we also have this now, you know, with magic, you know? So for them, it's just a win-win. It's sure. just a giant boon they got after they bought magic. So why well, wouldn't, you know? 
it's interesting though, because I feel like there's, you know, there's two major ways you can, you can screw that up. One is you can move away from your, your core content, your core business. And the other is you cannot move away from your yeah. core content, and your core business, yeah. right? You know, you're, you're still making buggy whips and nobody's making buggies. <laughs> well, you know, you're out of luck, but I, cause I, cause, cause I mean, going back to this one, I feel like somebody at some point is going to make a successful digital platform for RPG. I mean, it's got to happen, mm. you know, it's, you know, and there's definitely been glimmers of pretty successful stuff, uh, third party. And, uh, you know, is this going to be it? I have no idea. Nobody has any idea, but eventually somebody's going to make it and whether, you know, books have, have been surviving for thousands of years, which is pretty awesome. And I'm very hopeful they will continue to survive for okay. a long time. You know, well, I don't care about a long time, but say another 30 years, at least. Our own personal, I, I don't think, I don't. I do not think this is the end of, of Watsi's um, print. I don't either. Publishing thing by any stretch of the imagination. I don't. I, I think they're gonna. Um, they're just. They're not gonna dip their toe in, in in the VTT arena. They're they're gonna spend some money and they're gonna try and move a a, a segment of this industry in that direction yep. that they control. Exactly. I mean, why wouldn't they? They're. It's it's incumbent on them uh, as a business to do that. Um, there's opportunity. I'm sure they see it. Um, again, this is just four guys talking on a podcast against a corporation Hasbro's worth, that's worth billions of dollars. I mean, um, I'm sure they've researched a, a lot more than any of us can even talk about here right now that will pop into our heads. But, uh, so I, I, I'm interested to see what they're, I, I mean, I honestly, I'm Me really too. interested to see what they're going to do with it. I mean, is they're obviously planning this for D and D's 50th, no, uh, you know, anniversary. Right. So, um, I, I'm really intrigued. I mean, uh, on a flip side, we can talk about this uh, totally differently. If we, if we like, I'm, I'm optimistic. I think this is going to be good for everyone. I, I think that's where it's going to go, but let's flip that coin over. Right. Let's say they do something radically different, right? They wipe out the OGL and the SRD. They just say, Nope, not doing it anymore. You can't write anything for one D and D. What does that look like for our industry? So uh, one of the things, right? that so, so what do we do? One of the things so, we started discussing was, yeah, you know, if, if they really do screw up, how, how can we, we how can we, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, a big, a big armful of third party publishers, how can we become the game? Is, is there another Pathfinder success story? Well, see, we were, we were, we were talking about that, you know, is, is there another Pathfinder? But I was actually, I was actually more excited about the idea of a, uh, a conglomerate, a union, a, a something of like let's let's you know can we work together and share resources and because right now you know can we can we yeah. bring it all up so that there could be i'd be really excited if uh the the sort of the independent publishing world could figure out a way to to take some economies of scale to work together to say hey uh levi is an awesome writer and between these four publishing companies we're going to schedule him for a year so that he knows he has work for a year uh, or, or whatever, you know, here's some artists that, you know, we can't keep an art, this particular artist busy 40 hours a week, but if we work with Paysetter, Hey, maybe we can keep some artists busy 40 hours a week. And that means that we can sort of, that a group could replace the, because obviously Watsi, they've got people like, They've, they've got they, people they, that work yeah. full time and, and the resources you know, to have those people. Whereas exactly. And, and they have enough throughput yeah. to keep everybody going. 
Um, but it'd be awesome if there was a some sort of a collective pool of of publishers mm-hmm. working together to do this kind of stuff. Almost like a almost like an yeah, independent <laughs> publishers union. Yeah. yeah for it. What's... We're not gonna talk <laughs> about those jerks. No, we'll rent district here. Come on. What a bunch of reprobates. Um, oh my gosh. More like a legion of doom than anything else. <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's a fast like you said, Edwin. I mean, you guys are absolutely having that conversation after all God, we're having yeah. that conversation here at Pace Center. Uh, it's not to really look down that road because that road's closer than we think. And I, I do I think that's where it's gonna go? No, but I think Wait, it's we got a plan on us to look at it and say, hey, what yeah. if, right? I mean, what if this doesn't go the way it would be most favorable to us, which is certainly not what they're looking to do. They, they I mean, honestly, Watsi doesn't they're not putting that into their decision making at all. Um, we better but we did <laughs> well should put it into our decision making. <laughs> Yeah, their, their uh, wake is uh, is relevant do, uh, to our our boats. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think a lot of people don't don't 100%. consider that you know they are a publicly traded company, right? As Hasbro, that is, and so yes, you can't the Hasbro's. Yes, you know we we like to be you know like oh you know those money grubbers they're just in it to you know but, but the, to keep the lights on they they gotta every quarter's gotta look better than the last uh, for the most part or you lose investors and. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can have something that's successful, but not attracting investment, and that makes it a no-go for a big company. Um, just, I don't know. Just yeah. something to think about, folks. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, at, at the end of the day for, for for them. I mean, it's they're not looking to see whether Watsi's uh, uh, profitable or not, which of course they are, but they're also looking internally at Watsi and which of their departments is making money and which is not, which mm-hmm. is trending up, which is trending down. We don't know any of those numbers, obviously, but they're also projecting probably two years out yeah. at least. But, but, but again, least. I mean, I'm, you know, um, investment so, wise, I mean, if, if they're growing, you know, 5%, that's great, but investors are looking for 10 or whatever. And now in this market, it's a little different, but <laughs> well, that, the idea that's, is yeah. you can, you can be successful. No, you but, can be growing, but if you're not growing enough, then you're dying, you know, in the investment world or what have you. So just, yeah. Uh, well, hundred percent. That that that's my point. If if they're looking at you know year to year growth, at at their Dungeons and Dragons brand uh, within Watsi, and they're seeing the you know, the progression is here year over year, versus you know their investors that they're you know are saying, well, hey, this is kind of pulling back, holding back uh, other parts of of Watsi, our investment in them overall. You know what what's what's going to happen? Well, something something's going to happen. So. Um, this is, you know, getting into a lot of inside baseball and this kind of yeah. thing. Nobody we, wants we to need to, talk we about need to move on right to the next now. letter. Right? We'll, we'll move quick, on to some have, gaming David, here. I did have but, one uh, more example uh, that's not Watsi related. Yeah, uh, People know that I'm a wedge guy. I love the, the West End games, folks. Um, so to me, the biggest yeah. misstep they made is, you know, they, they got Ghostbusters. They got Star Wars. Those were pretty successful for them. Star Wars just exploded for them, you know, put them on the map in a major way. Um, and I think they started to equate licenses with success. And so you get into the, the Masterbook games era of Wedge where they, they put out this generic system called Masterbook. And then they just started buying licenses left and right. And they had great stuff like Indiana Jones. They had uh, they, uh, just doing licenses left and right. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, Men in Black and, and Tank Girl and all this stuff just all over the place. And then the next thing you know, they're filing for bankruptcy. So uh, 
I, I think you're, that's a great example too, Lou. That is a really good one, West End. Um, I think they did get IP. Happy. Uh, happy. <laughs> and what's sad, if, if yeah. they would have probably yeah. saved that money, and then when Lucas renewed the, you know, did the prequels and, and was re- renewing the license for RPGs, if they could have held on to that, that would have been everything. But uh, they didn't have the money for it. And sure. Wedge, uh, or not Wedge, but uh, Watsy uh, outbid them. And that was that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's necessarily an issue with them doing doing what they were doing that was that was their model that was their business model was was using ip you know established ip the problem was um i think yeah. you have to be a lot more selective than they were right they they, they went with the like crypt. they had yeah. literally i mean tank girl sure t- you know tank girl's cool but i'm sorry i would never invest money <laughs> to 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 produce you know i wouldn't spend yeah. money to buy that ip i mean it's it flash in the pan kind of thing right so i think that's where they kind of lost track for sure is a lot of the IP they were buying was kind of like, you know, it's one thing with Star Wars, which is the legacy of Star Wars is mm-hmm. massive. The legacy of Men in Black, <laughs> not so much. Okay. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, Jonathan Kurtz writes in. Thank you, David, by the way. Uh, Jonathan Kurtz writes in How do our hosts handle playing a character or NPC with an intelligence much lower than the players? On the other side of the coin, how would they play a character or NPC with an intelligence much higher? So I feel like we started to talk about this a little bit uh, when we were talking about uh, spaceship stuff, mm-hmm. not so much intelligence, mm-hmm. but just knowledge, which is kind of fun. Sure. But yep. this is a, I feel like these are two very different things. Cause the first one of like playing someone who is dumb is super fun. Cause you get the dramatic irony <laughs> of, you know, you know, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing but the care, you know, you put your character into trouble or do something goofy with that. And that's, that can be a lot of fun. I can really, I really enjoy that often. The other ones, I feel like a bigger challenge. Yeah. <laughs> well, with characters are right. sorry, not characters so much, but with NPCs and especially monsters that have a higher intelligence, especially like an alien intelligence, like a mind flayer or an Aboleth or, you know, some sort yeah. of alien sorcerer or mm-hmm. something. Some kind of chungus or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, I ended up just giving them pieces of information that they probably shouldn't have, but it accounts for their higher level of intelligence. You yeah. know, not, I don't give them the whole ball of wax, but like if the, if the character has maybe, we'll say three weaknesses, okay, the, the enemy, the enemy to the, the, this person that has a higher intelligence, then, you know, maybe I'll roll a D3 and he knows one of them because he's sussed it out from the way the person moves or he's cast a divination spell or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to account for that that higher level of um, like that mastermind ability, you know, whether or not he, you know, with that 24 intelligence, was he, was he seeding the land with its spies and informants all this time, you know, <laughs> or, you know, does he have some sort of psionic ability or you know, but I always give them that extra piece of information somewhere along the line that makes them a little bit more formidable. Um, and I, you were just talking about the Chungus or, you know, the Beholder. Um, that's a that's a perfect example because, you know, when you go back and look at like, they, they have these high intelligence, these super genius level intelligence. But when you go back and look, they want you to roll randomly for whatever IRAY kids are, right? Use, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I don't do that at all. Like I'm like, oh no, he knows exactly <clears throat> from observing, know, yeah. observing you for ten seconds. He knows exactly which one to use on on you know that guy gets this the the guy who moves fast. He gets the you know 
he gets the uh, the flush to stone. This guy gets to disintegrate. Oh, he probably has a low a will save. We're going to use the, the charm monster, you know, or whatever, you know. But I feel like this is something that comes up for me a lot in Call of Cthulhu, where you know you're often playing uh, an historian or a you know a book uh, a book vendor, and you know I don't know anything about these fields. But I'm playing somebody who is an expert in these fields. And yeah, so some of it's die, die rolling and some of it's hand waving. It's like, well, I don't actually have any idea how I would have figured out that this book was written, was published in this country by this type of printing press. But I'm sure my character can figure it out. Right? That's so, been my, my rub with Call of Cthulhu in general. Um, well, not so much Call of Cthulhu, but with certain keepers who run Call of Cthulhu. Okay. Um, when they do that, they they want you to role play through every little interaction. So, some of them, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I don't need to spend thirty minutes talking about what the printing press was in in Germany in the fourteen hundreds. You know, like right. It's just I know it. Yeah, you just know it exactly. Right. exactly. So, I, I think some of the worst words that are ever said at a gaming table are, "Well, your character really wouldn't know that." <laughs> I hate that. I, I, it just, it's been around since 1970, right? Or we're player versus character, right? The, the, the difference between the two. So I, I think you guys are, are hitting it dead on the, if you've got a character with a, with a lower intelligence, it's a lot easier to kind of play through that, but you know, there's a, there's also a certain danger there, right? Where it's just because your character has a low intelligence doesn't mean he should be susceptible to death at every single turn because he's quote unquote, not smart. Um, it's yeah, like I, cavemen. Like people always again, talk about I, stupid the cavemen were, but you look at what they were able to do. They survived. We're here. They had, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's intelligence. We're here, right? Cunning. So they couldn't have been you know, that like, stupid. They they were cunning. Yes. So. Sure. Yeah. So I I I I tend to do things like we, you guys you guys kind of rolled right through it was you know let's roll some dice and let's just kind of hand wave some stuff and because we want to tell a story here at the end of the day and and just trying to determine how smart or dumb your character is just kind of gets away from all of that i think and it detracts it takes you out of the moment right so i we talked about that earlier i just I, that's something i don't really like to do so let's just let's just play through it i mean like you guys were mentioning like a game of call cthulhu like if your character's a physicist for example well i can guarantee you no one at the gaming table is a physicist and 99 percent of the time so we we can't role play that and we, we're not going to know what they know or don't know so uh, well, it's kind of like the let's just have fun playing, with it. Uh, advanced technologies, right? You know, you're doing some. Uh, you do the like, old techno battle, yeah. right? Exactly. You're just you. You know, you might spend a little time because yep. sometimes <laughs> it's fun uh, to do that. Some people really enjoy uh, that, and some people don't. And I, yeah, I think that's sort of the thing, right? First is the polarity if on the transmogorphodon. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, because <laughs> my goal is to right. explode the thing. <laughs> yep. But you, you, I, I think we can do that without getting caught up too much in, in actual like what the what the score is on the character yeah. sheet. I mean, the, the scores on character sheets are there for uh, real mechanics and not necessarily. Um, I, game, I, I would disagree with that. Game. I think that I think they can help make fun, not well, no, not no, a I, mechanic thing, but a story I, I, a story I, side fun. I think I, that mm. like yeah, yeah no, that's yeah. What, kind of where I'm There's getting intersection. At. That, yeah. That's exactly what I'm yeah. getting at. I think. I think, yeah, to get caught up so much in what the actual score is, um, where you're forcing people to play a certain well, way. I wouldn't want to force anyone to play a certain way, I but think, I do like occasionally to be forced. No, but I think I that's mean, what I, I'm, I, I'm I like getting that. back to the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I'm getting back to right. the, the question, like, 
should you if a guy's got like a seven intelligence he shouldn't be oh, yeah, allowed no, to figure no. this out no that's that's right. that, that can't be there that's not what that's that's not right. the purpose because right. he could totally that, have that that flash of genius for. yeah anyone can have the flash of genius sure. or a exactly. bit of knowledge that they happen to know or or you know if you get some really creative right. player. i mean if, if you got it if you got an idea as a gm that adds to the story because he that this character misfigured right. something out. That's fun. We can all have fun with that. But to penalize the player because, oh, you really wouldn't know that. So therefore, well, you I'm know, that's tricky though, because I, I have no I have no problem penalizing a character that's weak. Well, you can't lift that. You can't lift that. You're too weak. Like you chose a character that's weak, you can't lift it. And to me, that's exactly the same thing. You chose a character that's dumb. If you can creatively figure out a way that your dumb character can figure out that puzzle, <laughs> let's rock with that. Like if you want to get a big mental lever to lift that you know to solve that puzzle let's let's do that but i don't know why why they're different hmm. we're going to get into well, social versus well, combat okay. mechanics. well i'm not saying they're completely yeah no no you're good i'm not saying they're completely different on that it's not that's that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying if you're just looking at it oh, black, sure. like, yeah. right if, if your character has a seven intelligence you're never yeah, no, we don't do that out or we don't we don't allow that on this old dungeon. We, we can't circle back to it <laughs> that right I, I that's that's kind of where i'm at on this is uh no, I, I, there's there's fun to be had with with characters with like even look like you said like they got like a five charisma or something like that, right? I mean you're probably not going to charm the king, okay? It's just probably just not going to happen, but uh, you right. could do something else with it. This is brilliant to so. The person with the five the same charisma result. very may well charm the king if he makes a, makes that dice roll. The, exactly. the king might just find him so stupid that he's instantly <laughs> charmed by him. You know? Like, yep. Exactly. He rolls that 20 or that well, one think, or you can know, still whatever. get right you got to have a i think allowing to yeah. still get there i, I kind of like the, the idea of is, you know should still what there. you're saying bill as far as you, you don't tell them oh you wouldn't know that but kind of going edwin's route of tell me how you know that tell me you know how is it that the character of seven intelligence or that's not even that bad of an intelligence yeah. folks i mean most <laughs> of my characters are seven <laughs> right. like four intelligence right they can't even talk or intelligence you know, yeah <laughs> yeah just, just totally <laughs> I, off my, my two things uh, when i'm playing a character that's got a lower intelligence i try to to limit myself by by the way i represent their language i just drink more amen <laughs> to that brother uh, but but i'll give them like i'll, I'll try to imitate like a and, and man, I, I come from the hill people, so nobody take offense to this, but I'll put on my, my, you know, Southern, you know, hill, hill folk uh, accent, you know, and, and by using that voice, what I'll, what I'm willing to say and how I'm willing to say it kind of degenerates down from, from the higher level and, and it keeps me from revealing things that I know as a person, but, but my character wouldn't. Uh, in fact, I had one fighter once that all I did, I did the, the whole Dirk the Daring from Dragon's Lair. All I did was like grunt and huff and make, make you know, throatal noises. I never spoke a single word playing the game. Um, <laughs> and then on the reverse of it as a game master, uh, if I'm going to play someone smart, I try to bake stuff into the environment. Going back to that environment thing we're talking about. I try to make sure that, that this, this enemy knows the layout of the entire place, knows who is where as far as his minions go. And, and there's always some secret things. That, oh, he knows that, you know, if I strike that pillar with a, you know, a, a fire bolt or whatever, um, it's going to collapse this section of the, you know, dungeon or whatever. And, and, and it, I've got, you know, a half dozen little things like that, that, you know, are special moves that I know he can pull off that will be strategic for him or her or whatever. You know? 
Levi, we've been stepping. Wait, wait, wait. I think it's I, Levi. We've been stepping on you. I feel like go, go. we've been. Oh no, <laughs> you're uh, politer we, than we are. <laughs> no, we were talking about uh, high high <laughs> level intelligence and how that relates. Um, I just thought about secret doors. You know, like most of the time, whenever, uh, especially with con games, unless you're the kind of player who is checking for secret doors every twenty feet or what you know, whatever, or you're constantly saying it over and over and over again. If I know there's a secret door there. And you know there's a secret door there. You just know the secret door. You there. just know the secret door there. <laughs> yeah. But on the other side of that, um, if you're going to role play it out, I'll I'll end up giving a, a person who has like a especially like a, a super intelligence level uh, a much higher chance of of letting you know of knowing that a secret door or a, a chamber of some sort or some sort of secret is there. Um, but you can still role play that with a low intelligence because how many times we've seen it in the movie like where the characters are in a haunted house like in like scooby-doo or shaggy they put their arm out on the the yep. candelabra and they turn it and boom and the secret door opens like you can do it that way yeah you know even even <laughs> some characters can discover things is what i'm saying you know oh, i think that's how i handle it i was just gonna say with with the higher intelligence thing i just i i revert to the hey something yeah. doesn't quite look right to you you know, or to the, the your character with you know the guy with the eighteen intelligence. Hey, the, you, you guys are looking at this room, but he notices something looks out of place in this room, right? It's just something like that. Um, there's there's easy ways to transition in that. I think it, I think it's a lot easier to deal with that but, instead of forcing the character to try and right, be a brainiac. Right. Like it's just a waste of, of valuable time, so, anyways. You're yeah, you're literally you're putting everybody killing, to yeah. sleep. So just <laughs> let's all knock it off. <laughs> all right, Jonathan. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you answered your question. All right. Our next one's from Jesse Mills. Uh, she writes, Hi, Lou, Bill, and Edwin. I've been getting to know your show and love some of your product reviews. I've been turned on to a few older adventures I never had, and I think it's supposed to say uh, never had thought of uh, from your product reviews. I think there's a missing word there. Sorry, Jesse, if I'm misinterpreting that. Then there are the ones I've steered away from. As a young female female gamer who is really into high fantasy and Tolkien-like stories, can you recommend a D&D adventure to me? I've adopted the policy that edition doesn't matter, so go as far back as you like. Keep it up and keep bringing on those guests. I've never heard of most of them. But they, <laughs> but they, uh, we haven't either. It's okay. <laughs> Say, but then I look into they it us. and they're all doing all sorts of cool stuff. Cheers. All right. Thanks, so, Jesse. <laughs> high fantasy Tolkien-like stories uh, in D&D. Uh, what, what adventures come to your minds? Well, I'm going to jump out and say Path of the Vanished. Um, <laughs> Dude, you stole my thunder. I'm going to say it, man, because uh, like, when I think of like that classic feel um, of D&D, that really reminds me of, of, of classic fantasy and, and, and BX really, I mean, when it comes down to that classic feel of playing, you know, the kind that I remember from, you know, I got my start in 1983, when you red box, but that's, that's what I think of. Like uh, those, that's, you're the publisher that I think of, uh, Bill, you and Ben are putting out uh, some really good stuff with the pace setter and, and path. Of, when I got path of the vanish, I remember going through it and going, Oh yeah, this is all like this, this is perfect. This is exact. Some of this is like entry level material for like a person coming to the table new, and some of this like if if, if I get, it got sprung on me at a table, like I'd be jazzed. <laughs> you know, like so, it's yeah. I, I would say Path of the Vanished. Uh, go check that out. So I th I think uh, 
um, you know, if, if we stick with like TSR products, they, they have a good variety of them, but they also have a, a lot. You have to be careful that, that, that they're not because it's, it's basically, I think what, what you need to do with TSR is look at the author because everyone's style does shine through, you know, especially as writers. Um, I, I appreciate everything you said, Levi, because I, I know when I write my stuff, I, t- I typically tend to be more that way. I'm more of a, a high fantasy maybe pulpy kind of, kind of guy. Um, and, and that's where a lot of our pace setter products end up. Not, not all of them, but a lot of them do. And I was going to say, if you're looking for one in particular, I mean, I, I, without self I think path of the vanish is, is our best example of high fantasy in recent years. It's exactly that it's, it's epic. It's got, it's a sweeping adventure. You go from big locale. Like we were talking earlier, you go different scenery throughout the thing you got, you know, from a, a, a half, buried city in a swamp to this giant resort then you go to a floating island you know you just you go it ends up in a volcano <laughs> at some point i mean it moves city, all city, over city. the place so i think it said yeah i think it, it for that is good but you know well, for tsr david cook writes a lot of high fantasy stuff uh x4 x5 uh that's what i was uh, gonna the, say the yeah. desert nomad it, series those are those that's a great kind of high fantasy yeah, and then x10 uh red arrow black shield is like the big epic battle that you can it, it yeah, kind of you gotta finesse it a little because yeah. it doesn't it, it like takes place many years after but yeah but you can finesse all that together and to me that's when i think a, a tolkien style adventure set yeah master of the desert nomads yep yep uh, yeah the x series has got a few that fall into that way i mean if you can oh. even look at uh Isle of Dread a little bit. Yeah. It's more of a setting thing, but it's still certainly got some elements in there. Um, you know, and, and I, I know I when I read this question, I had more of them popped in my head that I'm remembering right now. I should have wrote it. I should have done a Lou and I actually wrote it down. But uh uh I didn't. But I think like I said, if you want to steer toward TSR, X4, X5, and they're also I mean, those are for me, they're they're in the top 10 modules that TSR ever produced, which is great. Again, you move for me, kind of high fantasy, uh, whether I'm right or wrong and what my ideas of what it are, what it is, it, it's it might be different for other people. But for me, it's, I love that kind of sweeping adventure, kind of grandiose. You got a big villain at the end kind of thing uh, who, who is kind of reaching into the adventure at different points. And you're also moving from, you know, unique uh, locales over a distance, um, you know, your characters are progressing, not just through the adventure, but they're moving like large through large expanses of terrain. Uh, those modules give you all that, but then give you really cool mm-hmm. uh, set pieces throughout. So uh, I, I think that's where, that's where I'll leave it. I'll, I'll put it in. If you're interested in path, just paysittergames.com. You're good. That's Edwin. Yeah. I was thinking that this is that in some ways I feel like, uh, maybe bx aside but that adventures have been getting more epic and more sweeping you know the sort of pathfinder adventure path concept of having a a one to 20 where you are saving the universe and you are traveling all over the place and you have all these huge set pieces that 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 sort of took hold you know sort of with that with with paizo and pathfinder and that we've been building on that as an industry ever since that you know 5e definitely Mm -hmm. feels sort of not everything that's been published, not all the big books that they've published have been sort of epic stuff, but a lot of it has. I mean, you know, you start off with dragons and you end up with dragons. That's that's pretty epic, pretty <laughs> sweeping, pretty high fantasy. And so I feel like, you know, 
their, their first yeah the first few books, books especially, especially i feel like right? even the, though that first, you know she's willing to, four to go books. back into the into the vaults and of course that's that's the stuff that you guys know well um the looking at some of the recent stuff probably would be a you know just in terms of percentage you know if you're just choosing randomly i feel like some of the three five and more recent stuff there's probably some pretty awesomely epic 4e adventure paths out there too um because i feel like that was some pretty high yep. fantasy like major uh major story arc stuff that that just from a story perspective is pretty fun yeah Lou, great question you? though this is a great question uh he got mine with the uh the x series there uh, master of the of the desert nomads but um I mean, I, I think if you're willing to do a lot of work, uh, a lot of the Dragonlance stuff would be good to, oh, to yeah. take. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's you got to be uh, aware, Jesse, that um, the way it's written, it's like you're expected to play certain characters and go down a certain path. But if you erase all that and just use their settings and the in the in the bad guys and the themes they've got going, um, yeah, they've they've got that grandiose, uh, just wonderful, you know, world aesthetic and and you know big big things moving in the background of the story while you're going on your little path to try to make a difference so you know if you like those um those old tsr modules and the you know the flavor of like uh, kind of that old school osr flavor um i would also recommend uh, old school essentials has a couple of really good adventures they have the incandescent grottos which was uh which is really really sharp that's a really sharp and a really well-designed little uh, little module there. But they have uh, the Hole in the Oak, and I want to say it's called the Isle of the Planchant Mage. Yeah. Those three, um, pretty tight little adventures. And then they're written in that OSE style where, you know, everything's in the bullet point. Um, the details, you get just the highlights so that everything's on one page. You got a fragment of a map on one page. You've got everything you need to know to kind of just open the book and run it um they don't get wordy at all like there's no there's so <laughs> yeah. little bloat yeah it, it's it's what have it coming off list of adjectives sure. right i mean that's yeah, understands yeah just it, yeah exactly it's a it's a list of locations and adjectives but you know it's a little bit more than that but yeah. um they're really well really well written um from from that when i say when i say really really well written i mean from that perspective of that uh very short very here's all you need to run um when you write, you can open up the book and there it is, any page. Um, but if, if that's your style, that's the sort of thing that you like, then uh, those those three are worth checking out. All right. So uh, John Williams uh, asks us, I don't know if we want to go down this path. It seems a little dangerous. <laughs> Sometimes there's cutesy names for either the hosts of a show or the fans of a show. What do you think would be appropriate for this show? Also, what is your favorite non-combat magic item or spell? <laughs> Ooh. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of what we've had. We, we've had Dungeoneers. I've kind of grabbed onto that one. Um, trying to, we were called uh, Architects one time. Uh, Bill, I'll never let it go. It's the, 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 the graying alpha wolf over there. <laughs> that was, I love that one. I, I got the, this is the easy part for me because <laughs> right. I've already That's been right. named. So, <laughs> I don't know, Grog Nerds. Grog nerds. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Somehow it's got to have something with the with the renovators or the renovators. And I say that with, with all with all love with all love. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing it all. 
Uh, uh, more importantly, I think it's the second half. Favorite me too. That's way more important. Magic item. I'm, I'm gonna be uh, a gentleman. I'm gonna let you go first, Levi, because we might have the same one. I know we had a conversation once. I don't see. Oh, um, wow. The first one that came to my. I'm just gonna say the first one that came to my mind. There's lots that I like, um, but I really like Nolzer's marvelous pigments. Um, when I think of like what you can do with those, like the the the, the, the opportunity uh, for making crazy things happen at the table, like weird escapes, you know, <laughs> and like when I think like where did those come from? Like that's kind of it's kind of like a um, Zelazny's Amber series. That kind of, you know where the I don't know if you guys have ever read that, but it's like uh, where the Corwin's trying to get out of the cell and Dworkin's next to him and he literally just paints a door and walks through. Like I was like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. a cool little you know what a cool little item there's like robe of useful items there's all kinds yeah. of all kinds of fun so, i mean how, how much if, especially if you have an alternate table for it like how much fun can you have with a wand of wonder wand right? of wonder yeah i mean that's <laughs> yeah but nolzer's wonder, marvelous yeah. pigments that's my uh that's my pick nice so the, oh. the one i i wanted to oh, give you a chance oh, to oh. say i'm sorry but uh we had a conversation once um one of my all-time favorites and i don't know why uh, the apparatus of Koalish. Oh, the, yeah. the little barrel that transforms into like basically like a crayfish mm-hmm. submarine. Uh, <laughs> ever since I was a young kid, I just was like, ah, that's so freaking cool. So yeah, that that's a good one. That is awesome. Oh, yeah. That showed up in a in a Watsi adventure. Uh, what is it in Dragon Heist? I think oh, you really? can find one of those down in the wall, or you can rent one to go. I don't remember, but it's, it's <laughs> I it's put in one there, in, yeah. uh, in Skullcano Island. <laughs> okay, nice. It's nice. funny that you can find in there. Because <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. Although that, that's touch and go as to whether that's a non combat item. I mean, you can pitch I love someone. the what, what's the the one lumber like spell. just like opens the hatch and kills everybody if I remember right. That was, yeah. was the, the yeah. pick a lever, what lever? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go spell. I'm gonna go nice. locate object because I think you can have just a lot yeah. of fun with that as a GM too. I mean, I just think it's uh it's it's great for players. It kind of it can help out if they're stuck or something like that. You know, you can drop a scroll and look it on, you know, whatever. I mean, there's just lots of different ways you can, you can play with that. Uh, it just seems it's, it's a, mm-hmm. to me, it's a fun non-combat spell. I mean, if I had to go with non-combat magic item in, I mean, this is the ultimate, uh, I, I think non-combat magic. No. Deck of magic yeah. Players. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's, so. that's the best answer. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, thinking at the other end of the spectrum, um, because we just found one in our OSC game uh, in Stonehill, and I have not heard so much excitement and pleasure at a, finding a boring magic item as when we found the bag of holding. Because we are, because you know, it's gold is XP, and it's all about can you get the gold out of the dungeon? And now we can. Yeah. <laughs> like we were celebrating for hours after we found this this bag. <laughs> it's like okay, we're done now. We just... <laughs> nice but definitely these other ones are more are more fun uh for creative play yeah the wand of wonder the deck i've had an awesome campaign game on a i remember i was playing a carcosa game and i feel like it was um ass and h and h and h astonishing swordsman and sorcerers of hyperborea game <laughs> and, uh, it's just hyperborea <laughs> now right not, well yeah but this was back then i still call i know it, it is still hyperborea, this was first but edition I still call so, it, yeah. you know, but the uh the yeah. deck of many yeah. things came up and uh 
man, that was just hot. It was so <laughs> fun. Hey, if any of you guys uh, on the podcast here have a, me and Ben have been monkeying around with an idea for a while of doing a level based deck of many things. So you could have a deck of many yeah, cool. for several characters. We're just trying to figure out how to mechanically make brainstorm that. Without having point. 20 different product. tables. <laughs> yeah, it's one where That's we're not doing 20 thing, different yeah, levels. Like, I mean, we're actually, I mean, I think if we do it, we do it for like, how, like, do like a BX5E one, do two different ones. BX, we do like a first, second level deck, third, fourth, and then for 5E, you'd maybe first do four. I would do the four tiers for 5E. I don't know. It sounds like um, sounds like a yeah, uh, just couple like drinks three, at the yeah, bar yeah. and we'll figure something out, right? <laughs> Bring your napkins. We need to figure up. something out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we've been toying around with this for 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 actually two or three. I mean, more than that, probably about five or six years. So in the background, it's like, how do we get this to actually work as a product? So, it's, it, I know everyone out there in the listening audience, all you know, maybe it's a cool idea, maybe it's not a cool idea. No, hey, but, write uh, in, tell us about it. Write in, yeah, right at gmail.com. Do, do yeah, write us in what and tell us about do? It. Do, doing it on it the free, back end. Do, yeah, here. doing it on the back end, and yeah, and making it uh, not making it just economically impossible to to do right. is the issue. Is you know how do you make this thing not not cost right. seventy five bucks you know a backer, so yeah, just a, it becomes there's a price point issue here. So. All right, so we've got we've got anyway, uh, one more here uh, from Corey Welch, and uh, so I'll uh, I'll start it off here. But on December 28, eighteen, the gaming community incurred a major loss of a gaming friend in Jerry Steffick when he was lost to aggressive cancer. His love of the RPG hobby and friends was always evident in his words and actions. And we would like to celebrate Jerry and do good works in his name, helping others in their time of need while going through this traumatic illness. So at Gamehole, uh, I'm paraphrasing now, but at Gamehole coming up in a couple of weeks here, we are running a eight-hour DCC zero-level funnel tournament. I'm going to be running for four or five hours. Corey's going to be running, I think, the whole eight. we got two tables going. And if you're going to be at Gamehole, come and find us. This thing is going to be a wild and crazy game uh basically for four bucks uh your ticket you can play as much or as little as you want all the money goes to uh support cancer American research cancer society. cancer society and uh there's a ton of prizes from well from lou from from everybody from like just a lot frog of god games frog god. press black blade publishing troll lord games uh my company uh i mean uh, people are throwing in on this they're being super generous so uh you know, I'll I, bring I, you. I'll bring you some stuff. There you go. Awesome. Planet X. Yeah, we're I, yeah we're gonna do the same thing. I and mean, we'll drop a we're gonna drop a big bundle. Off yeah, so we've got books, we've got PDFs. There's there's raffles every hour, and then there's prizes at the end of the tournament for like the whatever you name it, the most deaths, the fewest deaths, the best death, the <laughs> most treasure accumulated. Who cares? Whatever. Um, so come in. <laughs> uh, you can basically with your donation you can mess with the game yeah. you can throw you can, monsters you can pay at the to players make it easier you can pay to harder throw yeah. monsters at them you can make the gm's life up. miserable yeah. uh so come in drop some money have some fun do some good work um the this is uh this is a great event and Corey has been just Corey and steve seminario and a few others have just been busting their balls for the past months trying to get this thing ready to rock and i think it's gonna be uh i think it's gonna be awesome yeah. so if you're I game hold come on out what That's day what day are you running that saturday and i'll even 8 p.m okay. yep i'll even do a pre-pitch uh gotcha. that in december mm-hmm. 
we're going to do it all again, but online. So if this is something that sounds like fun, but you can't make it to game hole, well, you can make it to, uh, to make it to online. (laughs) We'll be streaming live on Twitch and same kind of thing that if you're, uh, if you're willing to make a donation to help support cancer research, we are willing to have our game get monkeyed with in any which way. <laughs> Edwin, is that going to be like, obviously it's a, since it's a, it's a virtual one, you're going to be doing like a like yeah. PDF no, prizes. Uh, well, it's a little both, but I know that. There was both, uh, the worst physical. That's right. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. We mailed uh, stuff out. Yeah. My company last year, we mailed things out to winners and, and I think it's the same thing, you know, Okay. One of you, one of you guys just reach okay. out to me and remind me and we'll, we'll put a package together awesome. for people or whatever. So a couple things. All right. So Thank yeah, you. guys, uh, it's, it's super important to me, man. I, you know, there, there's a lot of charities that you could be like, eh, I don't know, you know, this, that, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. cancer affects everybody. And uh, you know, it's, it's a great organization, the American Cancer yep. Society. They do a lot for a lot of people. So get behind it. Uh, we do have one more. We do have one more. Uh, this is our first audio wow. uh, question here. Um now I'm gonna play this. Uh, this is being sent to Levi. Here we go. Let's see if this works. Hop, 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 hop. Well, Levi, it seems as though my idea has given you great success with the Big Eye Chungus design. Yes, it is I, the Big Eye Chungus himself. <laughs> well, no need to thank me for all of my ideas. You've done some of the work for a minion. <laughs> well, because of the popularity, I've been killing more adventurers than ever before. My question is, what should I do with all this treasure? We've got to go. Lots of people to kill. <laughs> what should I do with all this treasure? Okay, so Was that the question? Chungus, uh, wants to know what he should do with all his treasure from the people he's killing. What does a beholder do with its treasure? <laughs> Did Larry Me Wall send you that by chance? Uh, I, I cannot divulge the uh, the content provider on that one. <laughs> Larry Me Wall, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and, and, we have and, to answer it. Yeah, you were supposed to. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, what does the big eye chungus do with all of uh, all the treasure yeah. that it gets? Um, it gets chungy with it. It <laughs> <laughs> rolls around in it. No, um, you know, it, it it wants because it can. You know, there. I uh, feel like the treasure the treasure is there to lure ever more adventurers in, so they can kill even more adventurers. Right? <laughs> it's just a, a propagating yeah. bait. The chungus just. Oh, it's an investment, it, it yeah, it's an investment scheme. Yeah, they're the ultimate narcissists, <laughs> you know, the ultimate uh, tyrants and overlords. You know, it, that doesn't belong to you; it belongs to me. You know, not in a greedy sense. Always mine. It's mine, not yours. You All know. Right. <laughs> yeah, it makes great bait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out! Uh, thank you uh, for sending that like, again. That was our first audio uh, commentary or, or question or whatever you want to call it, and that was that was pretty cool to get. I appreciate it. Uh, if you too have awesome. something you'd like to send to us, this old dungeon at gmail.com That's old O L no no D on that, just the D on the dungeon. That made it really clear, I'm sure. So anyhow, <laughs> this old dungeon at gmail.com Send us, uh, tell us what you're doing in gaming. Uh, tell us how you would do the uh, the multi-level uh, deck of many things. Uh, give us an audio input. Uh, tell us what fools we are. I don't care. Just send us something. 
everybody that sent us something this week will be uh, listed at the end of the game or at the end of the uh, episode here uh, as a chance to win as a at-home player of our uh, geek credit game. And uh, I'm looking at the time and man, we are, we are just uh, eating it up here. We're chewing up the clock here, folks. So we better get to our main event. Oh, you didn't want to just skip straight to geek credit and then uh, call it a night? <laughs> oh, it's tempting. <laughs> well, that's right. Edwin's got work to do when we're uh, done. This old dungeon. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. All right, tonight on this old dungeon, and I'm sorry, we're probably going to be really pushing through fast here. Uh, Levi selected yeah. Planescape original campaign box set. Uh, so let's talk about this. Levi, why'd you pick it? What do we got here tonight? Oh, Planescape's my favorite uh, of all the box sets, whether from any, you know, any sort of um, uh, any era. I, Zeb Cook, you, you mix, you know, it was him and... Monty Cook and all these different people had their had, had their fingers in it, but Zeb Cook being the the, the main guy, um, and we were just talking about him, uh, but you know what great adventures he wrote. But then you, if you pair his writing up with Tony Dieterlizzi's art, it was so ethereal and so different than anything else we were seeing. We'd only seen his art a couple of times before Planescape hit. We, I think, it was in that monster, the monstrous mm-hmm. manual. Had a couple had a couple of illustrations in there and a few things in, in dragon but when planescape hit it was unlike anything else that that, that i'd ever seen um it was just a, a cool mixture of great writing just very everything again very different you know it was it was it didn't feel like anything else that was out at the time but then the art the art really really nailed it and sent it home it was like this perfect fusion of of writing and art and um and it just it's just a beautiful box set um and you know with the int- introduction of factions and then you had you know the great wheel and um you know the the city of sigil and the lady of pain and the city's upside down and the the dabus are <laughs> running around the city you know and they, but they don't speak they you know they have those weird pictograms over their heads instead of talking and there's all this crazy weird stuff it was a you know, it was as gonzo, you know, as like we were talking earlier, as as it could possibly get for D&D at the time. Um, and it's been endlessly copied since, you know. Um, and if you really want to go back and think about it, like there's quite a bit of Arduin in Planescape. You know, Planescape took a lot of, of, of what makes uh, makes it work, you know, the, all the gates and the um, the crazy spell effects and the weird cosmology and all that stuff. A, a lot of that, you know, you, you see that in Arduin too. So I don't think there had, would have been any Planescape without Arduin and there wouldn't have been any of the, the brilliant stuff we're getting now without Planescape. It's just a really cool product and it's a, um, you know, it's, for me so far, it's been timeless. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, first edition had the manual of the planes and that's kind of a very, esoteric encyclopedic kind of walk through the planes and uh then zeb cook yeah very, very dry yeah. for me for me i like uh-huh. it but dry and, and then you know zeb gets another chance to do it here in planescape and, and it's a, a complete 180 i mean this is all i mean it pulls you in almost like you're walking the streets while it's introducing you to the world around it and uh 
very much brings it to life. Yeah, he was very liberal with the quotes. You know, like he would put all these crazy quotes in there to give everything the feel. Like every page had uh, either a crazy bit of art or like a, a quote from a local or uh, or both. You know, and then he would is introducing all this really interesting stuff. You know, like uh, it wasn't so much a war between heaven and hell anymore. Now you've got the the blood war. You've got the you know the abyss versus the nine hells. Um, and there's just all this really cool stuff. They didn't just give you you know, Gehenna. They didn't just show you, you know, what, what, what that was like. They, they really, you know, put some flavor into it. But then you've got this city, the, the sigil at the, at the core of everything, the city of doors where you can reach any place in the, in the universe if you have the right key. It's just a boundless and endless adventure. I just, uh, I really, really took a lot out of that. Enjoyed playing it, enjoyed running it, and just love the idea. It's just like I said, endless lore, endless ideas. It's just a fantastic setting. So I, I'm with you. I think I think Planescape is a seminal project product for TSR, a 1990s TSR product for sure. Um, it's it's one of the most iconic products of that era for them, uh, and for good reason. I, I fully admit I, we did not play it back in the day. It was it, it, by the time it kind of came out, we got into our group was was not disbanding necessarily, but we just weren't gaming that much, so we kind of just stuck with what we did. But I, I did purchase it, pieces of it, read it, loved it. I'm sure pieces sure. of it wound up in our game, which is I think what you can do with it. Like if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about it in this old dungeon, so I, I think one of the the beauties of Planescape is is there's so much to pull out of it. You can put it into almost any other campaign setting that you're running. You don't have to run Planescape, for example, as a campaign setting. You can, you can definitely piecemeal it. You, can, I mean, you probably should run it as a campaign. I think it'd be a brilliant campaign to run. Um, and I know they've messed with it in 5e also, right? They've, they've, they've pulled it in. Uh, uh, Tales of the Yelling Portal, I think, has... Does it yeah. talk like about it at all in there? Or it's I don't know that they've really... Of, yeah. Kind of, yeah, but I know it's, it's kind of coming link, you know, for 5e. It's just there's a there's like a third cousin, right? A third cousin kind of thing. But uh, so I, I can't talk about it too great deal. And it's unfortunate <laughs> we are so deep in the time on this podcast that I don't, I definitely don't think we can talk about it the way it deserves to be. Um, I, I think uh, the the best parts of it for me, I mean, if I were to pull something like if you if you said pointed a gun at me, said, hey, what's the best part of Planescape that you can pull out and put in your thing? I, I love Sigil. I mean, it's just absolutely a brilliant concept. Uh, I, I'm a huge Zeb Cook fan, always have been. Um, he is, uh, you know, he's kind of a, my inspiration is a module writer, a designer too, from way back in the day. Uh, I think it's a can't miss. If you just want to read something amazing, I mean, Planescape is, is it's, it's got a certain timelessness to it, right? It doesn't feel old. I mean, I just kind of pulled some stuff out to review it for this podcast and I'm like, Man, this is something that just is alive today as it was when it came back came out in the '90s, um, which is fascinating. I mean, have they announced anything? Has Watsi announced anything with Planescape? I don't think there's been an official announcement. I wouldn't doubt it's coming. I just it seems from what I understood, and, and I haven't read it to verify, but um, supposedly Spelljammer was supposed to start kind of feeding in some of the underlying concepts okay. of the cosmology and and the uh, okay. Planes. So I, I'm not going to talk about too much of it. Like I said, I, I just I just feel one. I, I feel bad because we're shorting our our people here. I want to short <laughs> Levi because Planescape's a great thing, but this is a massive box set. Um, with and it's not just a box set; it's all the stuff that that came uh, after, right? I mean, mm -hmm. their supplements came in. They really supported the hell out of Planescape, which is odd because it it honestly is a, uh, if you go by sales for TSR, it didn't actually do 
that great. It wasn't, it's not that it wasn't well received. It absolutely was. It just came at a time when TSR was struggling. Yeah, um, it, it was kind of the, the last of the settings yeah, that came it out. Was, it was. Which, and, and, I mean, it's fitting because it tied everything together. I right. Mean, you could Which is if, you, if you if you have early stuff and it's in case oh, of shape, yeah, it's it's a ton of money, by oh, the way. So yeah. you want to talk to the, the collector end of it. I mean, again, especially some of the odd supplements that came out for it, you know, really toward the end, because honestly, they just anything in that time period on TSR just did it sell particularly well. And so there's, which means there's not a lot of it out there and not a lot of it survived. So, but it's, it's great stuff. It's available on, on uh, drive through uh, by the way. So I actually, instead of just tearing through all my stuff, I, uh, I ordered the, they're selling it in a hardcover form, hardcover book format, and you get the PDFs oddly with it, with a whole bunch of stuff. You get the, everything I think that was in the box set. Uh, I just ordered that. It was like 40 bucks. So uh, I'm kind of excited to get it to uh, really take a deep dive into it again. But I think if I were to use it, um, you know, how would I use it today uh, in, in something I was running today? I would probably just mostly lean toward Sigil and how to get my players in and out of there to to explore different things. Um, and you could you could start them as low as first level, honestly, and do something with it because you could have a lot of fun with it, dropping them in. Uh, and say, hey, what's behind door number three <laughs> kind of thing. Um, I, I, that That's going to be my two cents on it. Again, I just don't want to get so far into the weeds because I think we can really get into the weeds with, with Planescape. That's going to be it for me, guys. Edwin? I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cutting to the chase, I guess. One of the things I see as being a, you know, a great opportunity is you, you can cross worlds over so – one of the things I would do is, is pick you out like some famous ne'er-do-well from one setting, you know, Lord Soth or something like that, and then have him invade into another setting, you know, through Sigil, through the connect, and then have a, you know, the characters have an opportunity to try to, you know, fight against by going through these gates and by experiencing some of the, the, the chaos that is the, uh, the, you know, realm of planes here. Um, you know, it's, there's just so much there. I mean, it's, you know, it's, there's so uh, much to unbox with Planescape. I yeah. mean, it's, just, <laughs> it's so huge. Um, go ahead, Lou. I'm sorry to interrupt on you there. No, no, I just, That's I, it. I, but it wasn't I, much, but that was it. It's just, you know, I, it, it gives you that perfect opportunity to, to put your peanut butter with your chocolate. You yeah, know, and, and for to, sure. And bring I, in something or even, you know, even use other products. I mean, go, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, uh, you know, D20 modern or whatever, you know, it gives you a chance to, to, play around with some of that I, I actually love well. this idea too where, kind of kind of where you're going with that is i mean we we brought up uh um unfortunately someone brought up dragon lance earlier and i don't want to point out who that was because it's the most god-awful <laughs> thing ever created um but but yeah. the, the if you want to play dragon lance play the, yeah, the first much? module dl1 it's actually great it's a it's a great adventure it's solid it's, it's got all that high fantasy stuff we were talking about um but you could use planescape you go let them go in play dl1 and then just leave because you don't need to play literally anything after that. So um, this is great, Lou. You just, inspired. I think you, you hit it. <laughs> get in and get out. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Going to wrap it up fast, folks. To maybe uh, hopefully we can figure out a way to, to get back to this. Maybe review one of the modules or one of the, the supplement books. For sure. Because it, it does deserve a lot it, more. It does. Just, just happen to have a lot of letters and, and then, uh, you know, just having a good time chatting, folks. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it as well. So uh, any any last takes on this before we, we go into the final segment? 
No, I think I think uh, we're good. Sounds oh, like a no to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it's good. Get it. You it know, is good. PDF. Zeb Cook is the, Zeb Cook's Zeb the Cook man. Is the man. Is, 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 and by the way, if you yeah. ever get a chance to to uh, to talk to Zeb or run in, if you run into him at one of the conventions, oh, yeah. he is. Uh, he's he's not all of the TSR guys are like that. Most of them that come to conventions are. He's super approachable. Uh, he gets up early in the morning, by the way. So if there's Starbucks. Uh, like at Gary kind of the Starbucks in the hotel or, or anything, you, you'll, you'll find him there at like six in the morning. You can sit down and talk to him about anything. Uh, before he moved, we, we had the same comic book store. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I occasionally run that's into him there. Cool. <laughs> and the one thing I, uh, I had heard is that he and Gary actually wrote a, a manuscript for the manual of planes. And then when Gary left the company, they destroyed yes. that manuscript. That's true. Then he wrote, uh, a, a very, you know, different manual of the planes for what got published, and then this. So I wonder how much of this maybe reflects some of what you know he and Gary had worked on. I don't know. I have to ask I mean, I, Yeah, Texas. next time I run him, I'll ask him. I'm not sure I'm going to see him next. I'm not know if he's coming to Game Hall or not, but um, I'll ask him. That's a great question. Um, it's. Uh, I would love to. I mean, like if if we ever just talk about a certain personality at tsr i think he should be number one on our list i mean that guy contributed so much for so long um and yeah. honestly some of their best products were ever produced came out of that guy so all right lou move us on you're here all right so uh we're gonna hit geek credit here in a minute but we have some at-home players uh for this version of the game so uh let's see we've got david jonathan jesse uh and uh, john so uh, and anonymous is, is anonymous also uh, eligible or no? I, I don't. Uh, let's let's say no. Not. Okay, anonymous. Uh, I'll, I'll get you something because that was cool. You, you get right, your I own prize here. for being cool. All right, D four. What do you got? I got two. Two. All two right. On the so D four. It's going out to Jonathan Curtis. Jonathan, you are going to get. Um, I'm going to start with this one. Uh, Chris Holmes, who was on the show a few episodes back, uh, he sent us a couple copies of his dad's. Uh, recently republished books of uh, uh, Pellucidar. So this is Mahars of Pellucidar. So far, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, my, my copy of this. He sent some to send out to you guys. So you're going to get this novel. May throw in a little something extra. So uh, that, And that is only if, only if Levi Combs can get three out of five of the following questions right. Do you have any geek credit? Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I uh, oh, well, you're boy. a deep shit because you lose. Got it just don't I'm, even know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, geek credit. Uh, we ask, uh, we'll ask him five multiple choice questions on topics that he's told us that uh, he has an interest in or a background in. Uh, so for tonight, who wants to start? Not me. Sounds like me. No. <laughs> yeah, it's on you, Lou. <laughs> All right. Uh, That's good. That's actually good for you, Levi. He has honestly, yeah, he's probably. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for Bill, I don't know. It's a tough call. Uh, All right. So uh, this actually, I think, will be a softball for you. Uh, you talked about, uh, you know, obviously with your company, and everything. You're very much into the grindhouse cinema thing. Um, okay. Which grindhouse movie got its own '80s line of toys? Here's your choices. Blackula, okay. Beastmaster, The Toxic Avenger, or Enter the Ninja? Oh, The Toxic Avenger. Ah, for sure, yeah. yeah. Ding, ding, ding. 
All right. You uh, even had an right. after school cartoon. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, that's like it's unbelievable, unbelievable what Troma Films did with their marketing for that. Like, um, there's even a new film coming out, and Peter Dinklage is playing the Toxic Avenger. If you <laughs> can wrap even. your head around that. <laughs> Nuts. All right. Am I am I shooting the second question or somebody want to jump in? No, it's probably gonna be almost all you to learn. Uh-oh. Uh, you guys got scrambled for one because I only prepared four. All right. Well, well okay, he, right, won't, he, he got, won't need that many. He won't need that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, another one I think will be a softball. What does the H in Chud stand for? Horrifying, hellish, humanoid, or hostile? It's a cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. Excellent. Not, yes. he's not, yeah. I've got <laughs> one, Lou. I've got one, but I'm going to hold it. Go no, no, no. This is this oh, is no, it. we're okay. in trouble at number five. All right. <laughs> oh. All right. Let's see. Um. I'm a super dork, man. I can't help it. Sorry. I, I went pretty much straight down the the B cinema, uh, grindhouse cinema line. I don't know why. I just found it interesting when I was doing research. Okay, hit me with Here's it. Here's another one. Uh, what major star did Roger Corman never work with in his films? So which one of these Ooh. does not belong? Which one Ooh. was not part of his movies? John Lithgow, Jack Nicholson. <sighs> Sylvester Stallone, Robert De Niro. Again, Don okay. Lithgow, Jack Nicholson, Silver, uh, Sylvester Stallone, or Robert De Niro. All right. Well, I know Stallone was in Death Race nope. 2000. We had um, Nicholson. I, I've read somewhere that they worked together. I, I don't remember the film, but I, I remember him saying that Roger Corman gave him his break. So it gets down to Lithgow and De Niro. Yes. So I'm going to I'm going to say De Niro. Oh, you would be wrong. Oh, he was yeah. in the uh, Ma Barker uh, Bloody Mama movie. Ah, oh, yeah. Okay. I remember. Yeah, sure. right. what did, uh, so no Lithgow, huh? <laughs> no Lithgow, no Lithgow, yeah. Never never was in a Corman movie. Oh, tricky, tricky. All right. <laughs> All right. That's a good question. Anybody? I, I did I did find one. Go I did it. find a little Lovecraft question. Uh -oh. I think it's one I have not asked before. Lovecraft was on the list. Yeah, he's exactly. always on the list, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I'm a huge Lovecraft fan. All right, so uh, which of the following names appears most often in Lovecraft's work? Ooh. Azathoth, Cthulhu, Dagon, Narlathotep, Shubnigarath. That's a fiver, huh? <laughs> I've, I can take right. one off if you want. <laughs> yeah, take one off, take one off. All right, let's get rid of Shubnigarath. Okay. Wow, thanks. So it's not, Who needs it, It's not Cthulhu. That's that's not it. That's not the one that appears the most. I, I, I don't I don't think. Um, so it comes down to Azathoth and Dagon and Narlathotep. Man, oh, I'm gonna say it's gonna be between Dagon and Narlathotep. Oh, that's tough, man. I got it. I got you covered, Levi. Don't worry. <laughs> you got another oh, yeah. softball in the in the, yeah. in the hopper. Excellent. Oh man. Um let's go. God man, that's that's tough. It's gonna it it's gonna be between Dagon and Nyar Lathotep. Um man, my gut's saying Dagon, but I'm gonna that's go with Nyar Lathotep. Yeah, okay. Good job. That's who I would have went with actually. So in order. I lost that one. I would have went with Dagon. I went. Uh, Narlathotep at 47, Cthulhu at 42, wow. and then Azathoth, and then Dagon down at 16, and Shepherd oh, wow. at 8. Cthulhu was that high. All right. Well, uh, right there, he got his got credit. credit. So this is this is just icing on the credit. Or, <laughs> give me that, give me oh, that this is this question. is like ridiculously easy. 
true or false, Paysetter Games and Frog Guy Games have put out digest zines. Digest yes. size zines? True or false. Both companies like, have, have like, both companies done it. Yes or no? True or false? Have they done a zine? Let me think. Oh, yeah, because uh, zines was on yeah, your list. Zines of, was on uh, his list. No, for sure. So Frog God has, uh, at one point, they had Continual Light, right? I think, yes. What was yep. it? What was it? What was, yeah. Yep. Okay. And then um, Pace Setter has the rights to the little digest size, like We, we Wizard yep. stuff. Does that count as a fanzine? You, I, I asked you. <laughs> well, then I'm going to say yes. yes. Uh, yeah, that'd be so a, I, I, so right. I, I know Frog Guys done, actually done a couple ones too. They did the, uh, they didn't want the saga on the cover, right? That uh, like 50 copies of a guy. Well, it was Skeeter Green wrote it, I think. Can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Well, we have some of those yes. beast. Uh, no, this was actually those, a little uh, adventure. Beast scenes um, too. God, I can't remember the name yeah, of it. Yeah, but we've, we've got a few yeah, stuff. We like have that, two. Yeah, we have uh, two. We've done a few for North Tex back in the day, like little zines too. Okay. Satan's. I, I have your modules. The mod. The yeah, we did the, modules, we did the. I, uh, I, we did the. We Warriors ones in zine format. And we did. Um, we've done a few like Satan's Midnight Auction. Uh, Satan's Midnight Auction, the Maker's Mark. <laughs> um, that kind of thing. Because some <laughs> fun stuff. So. But anyway, there you go. You, it doesn't matter. You didn't need it. You killed it anyway. You got it. Four out of five. That's geek credit. For hey. All right. All right. Well, again, so going out to John. Jump in your time machines. Go back to yesterday. Back three curses for Sister Saren. And definitely, uh, Lou. What you can find links for it on all so my social media. Quick, like yeah, I'm, I'm literally the most annoying person ever about it. So, so, so pimp yourself a little bit more here, Levi. What? Just look. I don't even. Do we even name? Did we even say the name of your company during this podcast? For people who don't know, a couple times. Did, did, a little, yeah. It's, a, it's Planet okay. X Games. The next the Kickstarter is Three Curses for Sister Sarah, and it launches tomorrow. But again, you'll be hearing about it, so it'll be yesterday for you. Um, yeah, and it's a it's a five E adventure for low level characters, first to third. Um, it's got uh, a nice mix of weird fantasy. There's a heavy dose of uh, exploitation cinema. There's a lot of grindhouse influence, but also, um, you know, sword and sorcery and appendix yeah. in. So I wouldn't call it a grab bag because it all kind of, re it really works. Um, and the adventure is it's very playable. And um, I don't know, I, I really had a good time uh, creating this with, uh, with, with Mike Lee. He, um, he really hit a home run here. I, I think people are going to be very surprised. It's got a great cover, great interior art, fantastic maps. I'm just, uh, I'm really stoked for people to get this in their hands. Awesome. So working where else can we find you? Find you on Kickstarter and then where else? Yeah. So you can find it on Kickstarter, but you can also, uh, you can find all my, my whole entire back catalog is going to be on Exalted Funeral. Okay. So if you just type Perfect. in to Google Exalted Funeral Planet X Games, boom, it'll come right up. Okay. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Planet X Games Co. Co. There on the end. Uh, on uh, Facebook at Planet X Games, and then on Instagram at It Came From Beyond Planet X. I have a link tree too, so pretty easy to uh, to find. Beautiful. And then where can we meet you in person? Oh, I'll be at uh, Game Hole <laughs> next week. So uh, if you see the big Planet X sign there on Demo Row, just swing it on is, by. dude. So if you're not panicking yet, you should be, Edwin. <laughs> I am panicking now. I, am. Yeah. I know. 
Awesome, Levi. It'd be great to see you on a week. So well, I, I, awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the thanks for the bump. To the end. real quick, heresy of rot. Now, Edwin, are, is that a is is the campaign over on that, or is that still available? Oh yeah, yeah. It's oh no no. It's, we're getting ready to to print and ship and stuff. All right. Lou, so, where's your kick? Lou, where your where's your Kickstarter? Uh, by the time this airs, uh, folks, if you're interested in post-apocalyptic uh, MCC style monsters, uh, you can get uh, unnatural selections off of Kickstarter. Um, that's like it's probably this is probably the last day that you're listening to it. So jump on there. Um, okay. You know, hopefully I, I've got great art. I can guarantee that. I think I've got good writing behind the monsters, some interesting little collections of different <laughs> types of challenges, um, all in that uh, expandable format. So hopefully down the road, you know, I know I've got some more I'm going to be shipping out down the road that you can uh, get. And I'm hoping other companies will jump on that, too, and we'll be able to see some of the, the greatest monsters from all the game companies out there appear in that. Uh, so uh, the heresy of rot is that so I know you said the campaign's over, but I want to jump back on that a minute. Uh, can they can they still get it directly from Necromancer Games or Frog God Games or is it? Yeah, so the the uh, electronic version will be available for sale on our website, and in a month or so, we'll have the POD available for sale, and then the uh, Roll Twenty version will be for sale, hopefully in a week and a half. Just in time. Uh, nice. Yeah. So all right, Lou, I just want to check to make sure I backed your Kickstarter. I guess we already did. So that's awesome. <laughs> appreciate it, man. <laughs> no, it looks great. Can't wait to see it. All right, folks. I know I've had just a blast tonight. I hope you have too listening at home. Super fun. Um, thank you, Levi, for being on uh, again. You know, thank suffering you through me. it a second time. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's always a good hang. All right. Well, take care. And those of you at home, uh, you know, happy gaming. We'll hopefully maybe catch you at a, a, a we've talked about maybe doing a short broadcast during game hole con. I don't know if that'll yeah. happen or not, but we're going to try. So find out. Yeah. Well, I think we can make it happen. Awesome. Yeah, Good night, it. everybody. <laughs> Good night, all. <laughs> Again, I wanted to thank our special guest, Levi Combs, for spending so long with us. Uh, but I also want to take a minute. You've probably noticed some of those cool little audio clips that have been dropping uh, throughout our program. And uh, one of the friends of the show that's been doing that, Banjo Destructo from the Heavy Metal RPG Podcast. He's been so kind and so cool to come up with things for us and uh, throw them at us and let us put it into our mix. And I uh, really appreciate those. And uh, he's got lots of wild and fun stuff that you can check out got stuff on youtube and then again his uh, very own podcast the heavy metal rpg podcast check it out banjo destructo thank you brother this whole dungeon is copyright 2022